And welcome in to Heavy Hitters, everybody. Previously known as the Wednesday Windup, but the show stays the same even though there's a new name and we are on at a new day. I'm Jack. He's Mitch. Mitch, how are we doing? Oh, mic on? Now it is. Sorry. There we go. That Trying to a, shut me out, Jack. Ford operation. Come on. Ford operation error. You had one job. No, you have like five jobs. You carry the show. And it's a good thing you intro because I was going to say Wednesday windup, by the way. I yeah, I know. I you really, go, welcome to Heavy Hitters. And I was like, wow, that's right. Yeah, I really had to prepare myself for that. <laughs> yes. So the new name, new day, but we will still be going on on Wednesdays now having two shows a week. Can't really have it be called the Wednesday Wind Up anymore when you're Because it's not only on Wednesdays. Exactly. So heavy, heavy hitters. hitters. <laughs> Bringing you the heaviest hitting news, headlines, and everything in sports that is important. What a tagline. So absolutely. <laughs> still, working tagline. On it. still working we'll on it. it. We'll still get it. We'll get working it worked on it. out. We have the beginning, but the ending is very rough. Yeah. Rough around the edges. One day it'll hit. But yeah, heavily. one day one day we'll figure it out. Ah, like what you did there. <laughs> we got so much to talk about, Jack. Yes, we do. Week two NFL football, week uh three college football. Mitchell's Monday meltdown, man. Yeah, that, that, I'm that'll upset. That'll happen a little later on yeah. in the show. But we got everything to get to. Week three college, like Mitch said, and of course NFL. And this gives us a great chance to give us our, you know, raw reaction. Cause you know, you know, the games just happened yesterday. Lot to talk about. So many oh, you know, late collapses, man. fantastic comebacks. I mean, the likes of it all. But we'll I don't get know if we to saw it. any fantastic comebacks. I think it was all just collapses. I mean, Miami did do a methodical job coming back. Oh, we'll get into but, it. Yeah, you know someone who's. I am friends with a Ravens fan, and uh, let's just say street signs in Kutztown. Watch out! <laughs> You're under attack <laughs> by a sandwiches by uncrustables. Oh, interesting. Promoted? Question but, mark? No, no uh, never, no, never. Not not sponsored by anything. No. Um, let's get into it though. Thursday night football, Jack. We saw uh, our first prime video broadcast. Um, that was Al Michaels and who's the color commentator there? Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk he also Herbstreet. does the you know the biggest game of the week for college with Chris Fowler. Yeah, I did think I recognized his voice. So okay, that makes sense. So Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, Kirk Herbstreet on the call of an AFC West showdown that we might be paying attention to for years to come here. Chiefs, Chargers, the Chiefs get the victory by three, I believe. Yes, sir. Because of the late garbage time touchdown from the Chargers. Chiefs seemed like they were in control the whole time, Jack. Um, And to boot, I mean, aside from the loss, the Chargers seem to have at least a minor concern with Justin Herbert. What did you make of this uh, Thursday night football matchup here? I mean, the Chiefs look as good as they have in the recent years. I mean, the defense was a question going into this year, but they've played pretty well so far. The offense looks like a well-oiled machine, oh. uh, despite the loss of Tyreek Hill. But I think it was the for the betterment of both parties. You know, I think it, it was the offense was capped, you know, because they felt like they had to force-feed the ball to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And then all the other options were kind of kept out. But now it's an equals, you know, you spread it out evenly. You get Kelsey involved, and, of course, these, you know, collection wide receivers with Juju, Valdez, Scantling, uh, and the likes of them, you know, you got Miko Hardman still an option there. So I feel like it's just a more, you know, complete offense. Uh, again, I, mean, I totally not, disagree. Not not disrespecting to Tyree Kill, but I think he's, you know, a better fit for that Miami team than, uh, at at the current moment than in Kansas City. Oh, him and Waddle, we'll get to it. But I uh, I actually think the Chiefs, at least for the moment, are much worse off without you know obviously one of the biggest playmakers. In the league, you know, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, they brought in MVS, but I don't think at all that that is going to uh, fill the void here. The Chiefs have really relied on someone to take the top off of a defense because Patrick Mahomes, we've seen, 
you know, this was a, you know, he hasn't been the same quarterback ever since, you know, defenses have really started saying, all right, we're going to make you go on some long drives. He's still very good. Don't get it twisted. Patrick Mahomes is still a very good quarterback, but he's not the, you know, the consistent go to the Super Bowl threat, put up 50 points a week threat that he used to be. Uh, and I think that's because he doesn't have a deep threat. And, and I don't think Juju is what they thought he was going to be. And, and MVS, you know, we kind of know what he is. He's not that great. Um, really, the only up-and-coming receiver they have is is Sky Moore. Mikko Hardman is okay, you know. He's just kind of been uh, good for the role of, like, third or fourth receiver on the Chiefs for a while. Now he's having to be up around that that two to three area behind behind Juju or or Kelsey. Um, and and to be quite honest with you, in my personal eye test, you know, I'm blind, so what's that worth? But um, McCall Hartman has looked better than Juju, and even uh, Hartman had a, a little bit of an injury scare on Thursday night there. The, well, yes, uh, you bring up great points there, but I wasn't trying to say that, you know, these guys are on the level of Tyree Kill are going to put up better production than Tyree Kill. But I think it gives just, uh, I mean, they don't have, like, I agree that they don't have that threat to take the top off of a defense. But teams are also starting to play two high safeties against the Chiefs, so they weren't really able to take the shots anyway. It'd be kind of more Tyree Kills get in the middle of the field and let him use his speed to get out and run. And they don't have, I mean, not very, no one's like the Cheetah. I mean, no one can move on this uh, on this offense now. So, who, I mean, who can? It's like I said, Sky Moore, is he the closest comparison to... To Tyreek, I mean, he doesn't really even play. Right, exactly. He's a, he's got one catch on the season so far. It was for thirty yards, but he's only got one catch. But I think the run game this year is better for the Chiefs. Absolutely, Clyde like, Edwards. Like that's why is really starting to turn it on. Absolutely, and that's what I was alluding to with the more completeness of the offense. You know, yep. the passing game is taking a bit step back, and I agree with you there. But the rushing attack has taken a step forward, and I think in the long run it's going to benefit the completeness of the Kansas City offense because the last couple of years it's been okay if you can limit this passing game and keep them relatively in check as mm-hmm. long as they don't have a monster day. You can beat the Chiefs. That's what the Bengals in the AFC Championship game was last year. Mahomes got his yards. He did his thing. They got their touchdowns. But they were able to limit the big plays for the most part. And the running game was not a factor. Uh, And then they were able to just control the game late. Uh, But, you know, for me, it's like the signs we're seeing. You know, Clyde Edwards-Eler continuing to take those steps forward uh, as a— I'm not going to call him a premier back, but he's starting to take the reins in this backfield— uh, in a room that's kind of been mixed the past couple of years. They haven't fully trusted Hilaire, but he's starting to complete his mold as a player. Well, they haven't trusted him because he puts the ball on the ground too much. Absolutely. So hopefully, you know, once he gets that turned around, I remember uh, his first game in the uh, NFL against the Texans. He had that nice 27-yard uh, run to the end zone there. Uh, it was, you know, like, what could this be if the Chiefs just got— this was, I believe, uh, right after they won the Super Bowl. And it was like, if the Chiefs just got a really premier running back, what could this be? And it, it obviously went downhill from there. But like you said, we're starting to see a real ground game for the Chiefs other than Patrick Mahomes' legs, which uh, is a, a really important um, aspect of, of any offense, let alone a team that has been so one-sided for the past five years. Absolutely. But before we get back to our discussion about Chiefs Chargers in that Thursday night game, a quick message from the KUR Notebook. Attention KU community. Join the Women's Center on Tuesday, October 11th from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Boxwood House for Hack Your Horm- Hormones, Excuse me, a presentation on your hormonal cycles and how to optimize efficiency in a patriarchal society. You do not want to miss this informative event, so please attend. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody. I'm Jack Hyde, Mitchell Smedley, sitting to my left, getting back into our discussion from last week's Thursday night matchup between two of the AFC's best, Chiefs and Chargers, Talking about how Kansas City's run game has evolved from last year and recent years and how it's taken a significant step forward 
through the first two games of the 2022 campaign. Clyde Edwards-Elaire uh, continuing to progress as a player. Backed up by decent backs, too. Absolutely. At Jarek McKinnon. The, the player, the, the roles they're trying to fill. Yeah, McKinnon. Who is it? Pacheco? And, yep, Isaiah Pacheco, the yep. rookie from Rutgers. Big Ten product. <laughs> as, you know, my brother loves to flex about the Big Ten strength in football. He is a giant Penn State fan. And we'll get to Let's their go. last week's matchup against Auburn a little later I on in the show. Brother. But me too, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, honestly, going more to the Chargers side of things, that's where I was just focused to go. Yep. on Kansas City. I mean, Herbert had a gutsy performance in this game. You know, oh. he got hurt late, took a couple of shots, played through some rib, uh, I believe, uh, some cracked ribs uh, was what the designation was. Something like that. So still you know, got a he'll be day to day. He'll probably play this upcoming week against, I believe, they've hosted Jags, uh, but. Um, we'll save the previews for our Wednesday show now. And yeah, I love that I get to say that. Yeah. I love that I get Talked to say that. Talked in a couple days with that one. Uh, so that's fantastic. But yeah, you know, 334, three touchdowns, a pick through the air. Uh, the ground game, though, it's not working. Eckler has not been able to get some room to run in these first two games. Nope. You know, on the contrary to Kansas City's up-trending rushing attack, I feel like the Chargers, with the amount of talent Eckler has, uh, what talent? They should be I have getting not production. seen it. I have not seen the talent that everyone says Austin Eckler possesses. I've never drafted him in a fantasy league. I just don't understand why everyone thinks it's there. I really don't. I think it's all been circumstantial, the people around him, and uh, really just that he is, I mean, sure, he's the one of the best on that team. But I think that's so relative, though. I really am not high on Austin Eckler, and I think he's finally coming back down to the level I always knew he was on. Yeah, well, I mean, he's never eclipsed 1,000 yards in the season. He was See? the closest last year with 9-11, 911 yards on the ground and 12 touchdowns, averaging 4.4 carry. But his value also comes through the air. You 100%. Know, his touches that he's allowed to get through the air to just alleviate the pressure from Herbert. There's more value to a player than just the statistical side of things. It's eye test, too. But I would agree with you. It's been a little bit of an underwhelming presence for Eckler, at least you know so far this year. Uh, you know, It's going to be interesting to see what this offense dials up uh, in terms of getting Eckler some more space and getting these receivers in playmaking situations. But I also think Keenan Allen not being there for a large portion of the early season has clearly affected how this Chargers offense has, has gone about things. Well, absolutely. It, it affected Mike Williams, who showed up on Thursday. I mean, people were, out. people were like, where is Mike Williams after week one? And uh, he came out of the shadows in the absence of Keenan Allen and absolutely took over. Uh, Joshua Palmer, also, he caught that late touchdown. He had a few catches the other night. Uh, Gerald Everett really stepped up in the tight end role. I mean, in the absence of Keenan Allen, these guys were catching passes. They were making moves upfield. Like, it was really uh, it was really promising for Chargers fans to know that you, you hung in the most of the game. It felt like the Chiefs controlled this game, but you were never out of it if you're the Chargers. And that's really promising when your number one receiver is down, plus for part of the fourth quarter, your quarterback is hobbled, you know? There's a lot to be positive about here about the Chargers' offense. The Absol- defense is where they, you know, and like you said prior uh, coming in, they had some injuries, right, yes. on the defensive side of the ball, um, which, you know, that's a part of football, honestly. So you need depth, obviously, but I, I thought they didn't play horrible against the uh, typically high-flying Chiefs, but they, they there's definitely room for improvement uh, for the how – do you, how do you see it for the, the Chargers' D? Uh, you know, Chargers, they're going to be fine, I think, at the end of the day. I mean, okay. I, I think the pass rush is something that needs to take a bit of a step forward. They really weren't able to pressure Mahomes a whole lot. Not at all. Uh, and, you know, that's something that they got to work on. But they have the playmakers to do so. Again, it's two weeks into the season. I'm not going to jump and slam the panic button in this particular situation. There's some teams where you see how they start week one. 
and that's kind of just how they look the whole season. While as other teams, you know, they come out flat, but then they get things together over the course of a season, and they really put it together. You say, wow. Packers you know, this last team, year. Yeah, Packers last year. You know, you, you look back at week one, it's like, wow, we this team looked terrible week one, but as the course of a season happened, this team progressed into the playoff team that they thought we were going to be in the AFC powerhouse. I think that's going to be the case for the Chargers. There's a lot of new faces there. You know, Khalil Mack's trying to blend in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get... Bosa, right? You know, J.C. Jackson's a new face. He's coming back from an injury. Bosa's been there. But, yep. you know, it's just developing chemistry with these guys. And when you don't really play a lot in the preseason, it's tough when it's really your first action out on the actual game setting together. Uh, you know, you're trying to find chemistry with your teammates. Of course, you know, I mentioned they have the playmakers uh, to get things done. And, of course, I think this defense is headlined by their best player, Derwin James. I mean, he's phenomenal. And do you see that tackle he had on Kelsey? I Yeah, I mean, it's, the body hard, slam. it's hard to tackle Jason Kelsey like that. That's Jason Kelsey. He's a mountain of a man, Jack. Yeah, I mean, Travis Travis Kelsey is he's he's a mammoth at the tight end spot. So, one of the best to to ever do it. So, that's pretty much all uh, all I got for Chargers Chiefs. Uh anything else you want or do you want to move into Panthers Giants? Absolutely. Yeah, Panthers Giants, we're going to move into our Sunday slate now. One o'clock uh, game in the Meadowlands. Yeah. Uh, Mitch the New undefeated York. New York Giants, Jack. Unbelievable. For Gross. one day this season, the Giants are 2-0 and they Pardon lead me while the I NFC East. The <laughs> NFC East Leading New York Giants. And I think they got a really uh, strong chance of, well, we'll talk about it briefly before the Monday night games, but I think the Giants have a really strong chance of being the only uh, uh, undefeated team in this division here after tonight. Interesting. We'll see. Interesting. But, um, I mean, close game, three points. It was uh, decided on a 50-yarder. 50-plus yarder by... uh, 56 from Gano. Yeah, from Gano, who used to kick for the Panthers. Um... But the, the field goal kickers were, were strong today, four and three field goals for their respective teams. And it was just that extra field goal that really uh, sealed the deal. The, the Panthers are uh, uh, just shooting themselves in the foot more and more as the season goes on. Chuba Hubbard fumbling the uh, opening kickoff. Um, another turnover, the drive after, I, it was in the first quarter. I kind of forget what happened there. But, I mean, just like last week at the end of the game where, he, where Baker fumbled the snap, just more ineffectiveness in the fourth quarter. Uh, and they really only found DJ Moore for two big plays. So it, it was a struggle for the Panthers' offense. McCaffrey had 100 yards. He'll be fine. But uh, what did you make of – was it a good Giants defense or just a really inadequate Panthers' offense? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think this Giants defense has taken some steps forward, and they fully have the belief in the new coaching staff. Uh, they clearly look more inspired to play uh, this year than they did in years past. Uh, and I think a lot of that is the culture turning around between the front office, getting in some new guys, and Brian Dable certainly being a positive influence on this team thus far. I think this group is just playing better defense. You know, they let, you know, Giants fans loved Blake Martinez. I think he had a good year last year. They let him go. It was a little bit of a puzzling move at the time. But this team is, you know, they, they're just playing solid football. They're not playing as a group of individuals. They're playing as a team. They're playing for each other. And certainly they've looked good so far. You know, you also have to take in mind the level of competition they've played against. They beat... You know, the Panthers, who much, they're just not a good football team. Uh, you know, the, the Titans, you're higher on the Titans than we'll I am. We'll see tonight. But yeah, Tonight's we, a gut check. Yeah, we will preview that game later on in the show, but I'm really not that high on Tennessee. Uh, nonetheless, doesn't take away from the fact that they were impressive wins considering the, situ- the circumstances of the game. One touchdown score from either side, and it was a battle of the kickers, like you mentioned. So, yeah. Giants are 2-0. We'll see where they go from here. I love how Jack's analysis of his teams, whenever they start doing well, is that they just they are just a group of guys that are meshing really well. It's a culture change. We saw it with the Mets earlier, John. It is. It's not. Yes, it is. It's not. They played a week one Tennessee team 
uh, that should have won the game, by the way, on the field goal. It is for the Mets, goal. I was going to say. Maybe not for the Giants. No, but. it's not. No, it's not. You have Pete Alonzo and a few good other guys. You got Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. The effect that Buck Walters had on that team is monumental, but I digress. It's uh, negligible. Okay. Negligible. Well, we can get to that later on. Yeah, we got MLB talk coming up, but for the, I'll finish up with the Giants here. I mean, um, Saquon, most of the day, he kind of came alive in the fourth quarter, but he was held in check again. You know, we're seeing some corrections from the uh, week one kind of bonanzas that we had going on. Saquon, just absolutely a monster week one. He came a little bit back down to earth. It's going to be up and down like that for any player. Um, you know, so those that thought, oh, he's just going to tear up the league this year. We'll see. Only week two, as Josh Toot would say. <laughs> <laughs> but we are uh, – I'm, I'm yet to – you know, who do the Giants play Cowboys on Monday night, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so, you know, we'll see. that The Cowboys squad so, uh, showed some guts this week, so we'll see what the, the Giants can do moving forward in a tough divisional matchup. Uh so that's really my thoughts is prove it to me again, Giants, because I'm not convinced. Absolutely. Well, we're going to step aside for a first break of today's show. When we come back, we will continue breaking down week two of the NFL slate in terms of the Sunday games with two big Monday night matchups coming up. We'll preview yep. those after that. So stick with us here on Heavy Hitters. Heavy Hitters. Back here on Heavy Hitters on this beautiful Monday in Kutztown. Radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim over there on the board. And we are going through NFL Week 2, our Sunday night 1 o'clock matchups. We just talked about Panthers-Giants. And we're going to move on uh, from one one NFC South team to two more. we got, oh, a good old rivalry here that has been owned by the Big Easy, the Saints and the Bucks. And, Jack, I got to see one of my favorite things ever in this game, and that is Tom Brady absolutely livid. I don't know what he was saying. I wish I did. It was an enjoyable sight, though. I was watching with a few people, and they are just they were going on and on about how much Brady was upset, and that just brings me such nice joy in my heart. Yeah, Brady was a little he was fired up in this game. You know, he's animated. He's certainly embracing this rivalry between these two heavyweight NFC South squads. Yep. Um, both heavyweight. I don't know about that, but well, I, yeah, midweight. I, I'd say. Yeah, Bucks solid Saints. I. Did the Bucks look solid? They I didn't think look what Brady solid. was upset about is that they don't really have an offense right now. I mean, I a lot of injuries, but they do. They don't look solid, but they are two and zero. That that is true. You can't argue with that. Although they did, um, you know, they didn't look all that impressive against a terrible looking Cowboys team uh, last Sunday night. And this this game was, I mean, it was a slugfest for a while. the uh, The defensive touchdown really opened it up for the Bucks, and they were eventually able to secure the win. Although, Michael Thomas, with his third touchdown reception of the season, always got to mention that. He's back, and he is better than ever. He is, but, you know, again, there's not a lot of offense in this game. No. A lot of defensive plays, including a pick six for the for the Bucks, and one of three that Jameis threw on the day. Yep. Uh, and he was playing hurt. You know, they, it was reported going into the day that he had four fractures in his back. Ooh. So playing through a lot of injuries there. Uh, and it clearly looked like it, too. Jameis not playing a solid game. Uh, and really, that's kind of what it boiled down to for me. You know, the Bucks forced critical turnovers in a game that both offenses just looked kind of lifeless, really. Awful. They I mean, looked awful. Brady threw for a buck 90 and a touchdown. It's not, not what you Brady-esque. expect from Brady at all. Uh, and Tampa Bay couldn't run the ball for the life of them either. Fournette, 24 carries, 65 yards. That's 2.7 a carry. 
not good by any way or any way you slice it up, any stretch of the imagination. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans had three for 61, but then later got ejected with a big scrum with him and Marshawn Lattimore. How about that? Those two have had a past to recollect on. Uh, they have been in front and center of this controversy between these two squads. It feels like every time these two teams go at it, those two are, uh, you know, Tangled exchanging up. blows and, you know, going at it with each other, really, you know, yeah. whether it be verbal or physical, uh, like we saw yesterday. Uh, I love they, the passion, but it goes too far. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's one point, you know, there's a line for, you know, embracing a rivalry between teams that you hate uh, and taking it to a level where it's just silly and then you further hurt your team mm-hmm. uh, in the future because now the Bucks won't have Mike Evans for next week's game at home against Green Bay. Uh, oh, Evans, really? Evan receives a one-game suspension what? for his antics in yesterday's altercation. Well, this is bad. He's on my fantasy team. So, Are you kidding me? I did not even Smedley. hear that. Yeah. Oh, um, my. Wow. Yep. Come on, man. Really? This is what we're doing? I, I didn't even see the incident, to be honest with you. I, I tuned back. I was flipping through a bunch of games. So it started with Lattimore chirping at Brady and the Bucks, uh, And Evans, of course, comes over because, uh, you know, he's, yeah. he doesn't like Lattimore. He they just don't like each other. like him. It's blatant. Uh, and then, you know, they turn and, you know, they start going at it. You know, the words are exchanged and then, boom, they start just yeah. going at it, you know, exchanging blows, you know. Slaps and punches start getting thrown, and then a pileup starts to happen. So that part, uh, yeah, I did see the ensuing pileup. It was um, how about it, um, it was crazy. How about Latimer? Did he get a suspension? I am not sure yet. Okay. Yeah, Mike Evans suspended one game for rolling brawl with Saints cornerback Marshawn Latimer. Let's see if this, let's see if this article will tell us. Okay. Uh, if if Latimer receives any. Uh, Meanwhile, I'll discuss the Bucks' offense. You got to remember, Chris Godwin was out. Julio Jones was out. Mike Evans uh, came in. With a, a calf problem, uh, Leonard Fournette also came in with a, was that a hamstring issue? Like basically all the pass catchers on this team uh, was uh, oh my phone's talking to me in the background. How <laughs> professional, Jack? How yes. professional? Um, you know the entire offense it seemed was hurt, and and Brady was really struggling with guys like Scotty Miller was his you know go to guy at, at points in this game, and it really was uh, seemingly a struggle for the entire offense, obviously, and now. That's going to carry into next week. We don't know the status uh, of Julio or or Godwin, and and Evans is now gone. So tough game against the Packers. You know, we would love to hype this up as a oh, it's a Brady versus uh, Rogers showdown. But I'll be honest, we'll get to it. But Rogers looked dominant, and Brady just didn't. So I don't know if that'll be much of a game, to be honest with you. Yeah, from what I found, Lattimore is not suspended as of this moment. Wow, so only one sided for Mike Evans. Wow, because he did start the physical. On okay. action of it. It was just words until Evans came over and, you know, smacked him in the helmet. And yeah, you can't do that, that. That's when that's when the whole, uh, you know, and then Lattimore responded. So, yeah, you can't start that. You know, if, you know, the, depending on what Lattimore was saying, I guess it's, you know, just taking up for your teammates. That's what Evans said. But you have to know when when pushing the limits and taking it too far. And that's certainly, you know, in my mind, what he did there. Uh, but uh, Bucks came away with the win, and that's, I think, really all they care about and all these teams care about at the end of the day. But despite how bad they both looked on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the defense has really showed out and played well. Yep. Uh, so that's the positive you have to take away from this one. But, again, really not much to talk about. Not a lot of yards. Let's hope Jameis Winston can get, you know, healthy somewhat soon because, you know, four fractures in your back sounds quite serious to yeah, me. Yeah, that's a problem. So let's jump know. conferences a little bit then. Uh, let's go to a game where, I mean, from from – a, a close game for a while to an absolutely absolute blowout. Wow, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we need to have a talk. Colts. <laughs> I mean, Colts. Colts here. Frank what Reich. are we doing? What is going on? 
All right, this actually got uh, a little bit of consideration for the Mitchell's Monday meltdown. Uh, it it did not receive it though, but twenty four to nothing loss to Jacksonville. What is happening, Jack? Make sense of it, Colts. Colts. What are we doing, Colts? What are we doing? This is not the preseason anymore. You are playing actual NFL games that count towards your record. I don't know what kind of you know. Maybe that's what the Jags are doing. I don't know. They're what, so bad that they deceive you into thinking they're not a real team. I, I don't know what what's going on up there in Indianapolis, but Frank Reich, you need to get your guys together. Uh, Matt Ryan looks flat out garbage. Looks like he should just go into retirement now. Say, uh, you know, I'm I've sorry said for, that by the way. He is not a good quarterback. I'm sorry for ever even coming here. I need to retire. Uh, I mean, 195, three interceptions. Granted, two of them were late in the game when it was already over. Just trying to make plays to make it look somewhat respectable. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that into consideration, but. Again, I mean, what is going on? Jonathan Taylor, nine carries for 54 yards. What is that? Against Jacksonville. What is that? That's six yards a carry. That's not even. It's not even like Jacksonville is an elite defensive front by any means. I mean, it's unfathomable give them the how ball. the Colts have started. I'm glad they didn't give him the ball more because I played him in my, in my fantasy this week. But give him the ball more. I mean, granted, Michael Pittman not being there was going to affect That's this huge. offense. Yeah. It was going to be, it was a big factor, but not to the extent where you get shut out. Absolutely not. Not in this NFL. No, you know, no. In an era where offense reigns supreme, you have to be able to score the ball. I mean, I don't know how you get shut out. I, how? I don't understand. I can't make it sense. I love all. to make sense of it for you, but I can't. Colts fraudulent so far through two games. Biggest frauds of the NFL season. You could say the Bengals are 0 two. Uh, right now, for me, it's the Colts. It's the Colts. At least the Bengals look they have they have some life. Uh, so yeah, the I mean, Bengals have fought in both games. Wow. Speaking of Jacksonville. Um, you know, the Titans do have to play tonight, but right now they stand atop this division huh, at 1-1. One one. disgusting. As terrible think, as that sounds. Let's talk about this for a sec, because you don't buy the Titans. I think they win this division. Who do you see coming out on? Is it really the Colts? I Look, as bad as they look right now, I think they find a way to get it together. I think the Colts do still win this division. Because, look, you, I mean... No matter how the Jacks have played so far, they're still garbage in my mind. They're not a good football team. I they're agree, they're but... on the ascension in a little bit. I mean, they're taking the steps necessary to get back to being a decent team. Texans not good. Uh, just just the fact of the matter, they're not that good. On um, you know, if you eliminate Derrick Henry from that Titan offense, I'm not confident Tannehill can throw the ball to get you wins. I'm not, you don't think so? I'm not confident that Tannehill will. I think he's done consistently, it now. Will Come consistently on. be able to right, throw but you. You don't to need wins. to be that consistent in this division when you're playing the the Texans, the Jags, and the the 2022 Colts. You're not going to need to be consistent. You could win this division with eight wins. That's true, but Tannehill couldn't get it done against the Giants. And don't I get understand. me wrong, I'm a Giants fan. Week Giants one, defense, and by the way, he put them in position to win that game. He did. He put them in position. Come on, that was a close fought game against a currently undefeated team in which he drove down the field and put them in position to win that game. He did. He had a masterful drive to, A, take the lead, got the ball back now down a point because of the gutsy call, and actually drove down again and put them in position for the game-winning field goal, which was missed because no one knows how to kick in 2022. Yes, but also I think we've seen what this offense looks like without A.J. Brown, and it's not good in my mind. They don't have an elite playmaker AJ on the Brown outside. Is very good. They don't have I'm an elite. Very grateful to have him. They don't have an elite playmaker on the outside to take that pressure off Derrick Henry. They can stack no. the box with seven guys, drop back playing confident man-to-man coverage, saying, "Okay, make Robert Woods beat me." And Robert Woods has been an established receiver in this league, but as I need a number to see two, it as least. a number two, I need to see it as a number one first right. before I have confidence. Is Draylon Burks going to take if, it, be that guy if to take the Burks step up? Can really step up. That that's really the best route. But I mean, he's a rookie. Can't you know, put that much pressure. Can you on have him. undrafted rookie, you know, Phillips from I forget his first name. That's why I'm not referencing from UCLA. 
be the slot guy to step up. There's a lot of unknowns in the receiver room in this offense, which is why I have my doubts. Yeah. No, and they I, lost their best defensive player, Harold Landry, for the season. It's completely valid to have doubts, but, uh, I mean, assuming Woods and Burks are at least decent, I mean, I just, I don't see any way in which the the Titans don't win, I mean, against the Jags. It's and, very plausible the Titans start 0-2. I, oh, yeah. I Well, what would you be satisfied with? How close would the game against the Bills be have to be tonight for you to consider the Titans okay at least? Cover the spread. What's the spread? Uh, Bills minus 10. 10? If okay. they keep it within 10, within I'd 10. be impressed. I okay. think they lose by two touchdowns plus. I think yeah, it's not close. I, I think this is a 17 to 20 point Bills Like, it's win. not going to be close. And it's, you know, I like Mike Rabel as a coach. I think he's a good coach. But the personnel they have, I just don't think lines up in terms of being able to say, I'm taking this division. Because, you know, while Frank Reich's had his problems in the past, and I think it's certainly a problem with this offense, you know, through the first two games. I think they just find a way to get it done. I mean, Pittman's too good. Taylor's too good. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but just I still have some confidence in this indie team. You uh, just got to think of who's, who's throwing, who's who's leading Pittman and, and Taylor. It's Matt Ryan. I'll take Ryan Tannehill over Matt Ryan any day of the week. I, I can agree That's a weird that. thing to say, but, I mean, we're a few years removed from where that was totally flipped, but I, I would totally take that. And, uh, I mean— We'll see, though. I mean, don't count out the Jags. No, you, you know what? I was just about to say that. My dad just texted me the same thing. He said, Jags all the way. So <laughs> I, I'm starting to, as we're having this conversation and we're picking apart both of these teams, I'm like, the Jags, though. Like, I Christian know. Kirk just annihilated me I in said, fantasy. I said they're garbage. But they I also are. said, but I also said they're like they're taking the steps forward they need to take. And, and I like I said, are. you could win this with eight wins. Yeah, the way it's looking right now, easily. Yeah. Yeah. What is so, I mean, Jaguars, a playoff team for the first time since 2017. I'm telling you what, people had their doubts about that Christian Kirk contract. He has looked really good. Unfortunately, yeah. He has looked really, yep. really good. And I mean, Trevor Lawrence Trevor looks Lawrence. good too. Let's go, man. So I'm hoping that ETN connection comes back because ah, I need that to happen for I my fantasy love team. So. so what's the status on him? What? ETN. Oh, he's not hurt. Oh, okay. He's just not. Been oh, you the said ball. I hope he comes back. I was like, wait, I haven't. No, heard no, no. This story. I, I you just said, want him to be I, in his Clemson. Form. Yes, I hope that Clemson connection comes yeah. back. I oh. misworded that. That is that is totally. You had me game. worried. I love uh, so. Etienne, a former Tiger. Yeah, you also like Clemson, and I don't. Let's. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, we're, we're away gonna, from that. Yeah, we're gonna move on here. We do <laughs> have plenty more games to break down. So let's we go will to start getting a little more rapid reaction here. We want to give analysis. One more, one more. I think we deserves a little bit of a dive into. Absolutely. Arguably the game of the Monday, or not the Monday, of the one o'clock slate, Ravens-Dolphins. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Holy baby. cow. It was a dominant performance by the now 2-0 and Ravens. Never no. mind. Oh, Jack Heim. The Ravens led this by 21 two separate times, I believe. It was 28-7. I believe it was also 35-14. Yes, sir. Only for the final score. To be Ravens, 38, an impressive offensive performance. To the Dolphins, 42. They came back. Um, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, both just stellar performances. Tua Tunga Vailoa, absolutely lighting up the, the inadequate Ravens defense. Playing prevent defense from halfway through the third quarter on, and it was a bad move. The, putting rookies against Tyreek Hill one-on-one. What are we doing, Jack? 
disaster struck in Baltimore Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, and I'm happy because I don't like the Ravens. <laughs> and Lamar Jackson got me 55 fantasy points, so this is the I don't know how that happened for me. I, so, your league is messed up, buddy. I mean, you can call it messed up all you want. You I'm got taking, 40 in I'm my t- league. I'm taking my 55 points and I'm running with it. So, uh, nonetheless, I digress. Uh, breaking down this game, I think the biggest padlock stat for me. Out, Dolphins outscore the Ravens twenty-eight to three in the fourth quarter. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just that that tells the tale of this game. You know, it was the Ravens game through three quarters, but Tua and this offense surged in the fourth. And I tell you yeah. what, man, people were doubting Tua coming into the season. I'm all on the Tua train now, man. He has looked like he's taken that next step as a quarterback. I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback, but he has taken himself from average run of the mill and he's put himself in that good conversation he's put himself in that you know I wouldn't say I'd say the bottom level that second tier quarterbacks I think he's not he's not top of the second tier no but he's he's in that conversation now to be a tier two quarterback in this league I mean 469 six touchdowns six did, touchdowns did throw two picks but tied a franchise record found a way to get the ball to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle in space and accurately too you know a quarterback of Tua's caliber that the public perception had was he wouldn't be able to lead the team back from this deficit. No. There would be no way. But well, he did. And it's amazing what you do when you get a quarterback, the playmakers, the offensive line, and the offensive scheme, and put them in a position to succeed. And you're seeing what two is doing with it. Well, absolutely. And, and we talked about what left the Chiefs, and what left the Chiefs is now on the Dolphins. Not only that, but I, I think Jalen Waddle is a better second receiver than any best, receiver best the Chiefs two receiver had. in the league. Best second receiver well, in the league, I think. Best two, well, that's that's debatable. I, I could think of a, well, maybe I couldn't think of a few pairs right off the top of my head. But, like, it's he, got, he's up there. The conversation. Definite, oh, absolutely in the conversation. But what I was going to say is he's m- miles away better than any second receiver that was paired with Tyreek Hill. Oh, 100%. I mean, Kelsey, tight end, right? Like, are we counting him? We can. Maybe, maybe Kelsey gets the edge there. But, I mean, you see what, what happens when Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey were paired together. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing the same explosive potential out of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, two very good receivers. Uh, Gesicki's the tight end down in Miami, right? Yes. Yeah, and who's running the ball? That backfield is— uh, They got Mostert and Edmonds. Edmonds came before. over, so yeah. So two Coached from the NFC West, Cardinals and Niners. Yes, yeah, Cardinals and Niners. So two, you know, at least capable running backs. It, it's a lot like what the Chiefs had. Where they never had a star running back, you know, until it seems now, uh, but just some competent guys that could balance the the uh, deep threat pass attack, uh, and a quarterback that can get it down the field, and we and we saw that with two with the big plays happening this week, uh, a plenty to the dismay of the entire city of Baltimore. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we re- we will resume our discussion about the Dolphins and Ravens crazy one o'clock game and continuing breaking down the one o'clock. Slate. So stick with us here on the Heavy Hitters Radio Voice at University KUR. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody. I'm Jack. I'm alongside Mitchell Smedley. Getting back into our discussion about the Dolphins and the Ravens. The best game of the one o'clock slate. I think that is not really an argument. It no was question. the most exciting game to watch. Uh, and, and these two came, teams look like yeah. high power offenses going forward. High powered offenses, and it came down to uh, who was going to make one defensive stop, and that turned out to be the Dolphins. They And it wasn't even that much of a stop. They made Baltimore settle for a field goal to take the lead after uh, the Dolphins had come all the way back. And this is the most important part of this game to me, is that Tua, after this whole comeback in the garbage time, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we always talk about how quarterbacks can pad the stats, and these young guys aren't actually that good. They were just, like I said, there was 
off coverage from the, the middle of the third quarter. But when it mattered, he still knifed right down the field and found Waddle in the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown. And you were saying that uh, this, has, this has implications moving forward for the Dolphins. Yes, it does, absolutely. Because next week, they host the Buffalo Bills, and that matchup is going to have a lot of eyes on it uh, from all across the country. It's going to yeah. be a matchup that's going to be high power versus high power. Uh, the new look Tua and the Dolphins versus, of course, the traditional Josh Allen and that Bills offense. But that's yeah, weird that, that one's traditional be, now. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. It is. But, but you, you have come to call to it traditional it, because yeah. it's been the past couple of years that they've just been so good on offense. Just some um, heartbreaking playoff losses that have kept this from really being a, a, a household team. Absolutely. So, divisional matchup, two good teams. They are divisional, right? Yes, sir. Okay, I always confuse the Jags and Dolphins. But, yeah, divisional matchup, uh, always fun uh, with those. But now you got two young, youngish, I guess, quarterbacks that are, are really playing at the top of their game early in the season. We're going to move on. We got Steelers, Patriots. Uh, Steelers Patriots Patriots got the win by a field goal in this a late touchdown for the Steelers. Uh, they could not make it back though. This was a another uh, field goal fest early on. It was uh, six to three for a while, I believe. It was you know just no one really got going offensively. And then I look up and the Patriots had put up like ten in a row. Uh, but Patriots, what did you make of them? Was this actually a, a good win for them? or, or I, I'm not high on the Patriots at all this year. How are you, Jack? I am in the same boat with you. I'm not high in New England. I won for one word for this game. Blech. Oh, it was it was, gross. Just, it was just meh. It yeah. was just like the most average NFL game you could picture up for a Sunday. You take two mediocre teams, you put them on a field, and you got what you expected. Two teams playing very average to below average football. I mean, it wasn't clean. It was neither passing attack really was dynamic. I mean, Nelson Aguilar had some big plays through the air, including a mossing of Akella Weatherspoon for a 44-yard touchdown. That was probably the best play of the day by either side. Um, but again, I'm going to shift to the Steelers' side before we get, uh, before I quick you know, go to New England. Uh, but Trubisky, man, Oof. he's not the guy. He's no, not. He's, he's never not been the guy. guy. Um, a buck 68, one touchdown, one pick. And, you know, I think it's time for Matt Canada to go. They got to can the offensive coordinator. Clearly, it's not been all on the quarterback. This scheme is not quarterback-friendly by any means. And it's been a problem for the Steelers' offense for years. Uh, they just don't want to address it. They hire from within, and it's very similar schemes with just minute changes. And you're not putting your guys in a position to succeed. We mentioned it with Miami, how Tua has been given receivers, and the Steelers have very good receivers, too. I don't know, you know about that one. They got, I mean, they're not like Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, but Deontay Johnson. Johnson's good. Chase Claypool's decent. If you can mix uh, and match him, use him in uh, different ways. I don't love Claypool as you know the personality, no. but and George Pickens looks like a decent rookie, but they don't use him uh, correctly. So we can't correctly evaluate the talent if you don't put them in positions to fully see what they're capable of. So again, that's really just my quick condensed thoughts of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, the offensive line looked better yesterday. They were able to give Trubisky some time. Wasn't really able to make anything of it. Uh, and again, Najee's playing a little bit banged up. And he, but he doesn't really have seams to run. A lot of his production has been through the passing game and a little checkdowns. He had five catches for 40 yards yesterday. Uh, but, you know, it's just, again, it's an uninspiring offense. It's a very boring offense to watch in my mind. It's not. It's just not quality offensive football. It's horrible. It was a bad game to watch. And, uh, unfortunately, a buddy of mine went to the game out in Pittsburgh. And he came back. He said he was upset at anyone named Mitchell. It was nothing toward me. Uh, but just to get away. No, he didn't say it like that. But he was, uh, he was quite upset after that um really like you said the best word for it was just bleh so we're gonna move on from the bleh uh browns jets i believe is our last one o'clock game 
Browns, Jets, and then Lions, Commanders. Ah, okay. Oh, how slate. could I forget? What so. a what a showdown. That was, uh, we'll get to it. That was not a great game either. Uh, quickly moving through these last two. Browns got, uh, they got bamboozled. <laughs> they got a <laughs> a win snatched from their grasp by the lowly Jets. The, Joe Flacco. by Joe Flacco. Elite, elite Joe Flacco is back, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, watch out. I mean, Bill's. Your your crown may be in jeopardy here. Yeah, New England, beware! The Jets might not take the basin this year. No, um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, no serious seriousness though. Wow, that was for some reason Good so job. complicated to say. But we got it out there. You got um, it. Garrett Wilson, man, what a game! Eight for one hundred two, two touchdowns. Clearly has emerged as the favorite target for Joe Flacco in this offense. As the rookie from Ohio State was taken with the tenth overall pick, and for good reason. Uh, he has looked very solid, especially in that slot area. Had the Game-winning touchdown yesterday with 22 seconds left, and the Jets pushed really all the all the right buttons late. They stuck, and this is this is the kind of trend I got. I didn't watch a lot of this game, but just following it, you know, they hung around there. It was 17-17 in the fourth quarter. I'm like, ooh, Jets keeping it close. Let's see what happens here. Browns get a couple scores. Looks like they're going to close it out. They're up 30 to 17. But the biggest point, Katie York, the rookie kicker, made four field goals to beat the Browns last week. Missed the extra point, and that was the difference in this game because instead of it being 31-17, it was 30-17. to So all the Jets needed was two touchdowns and an extra point to win it. I mean, you had to make the extra point for both. But uh, again, yeah, Flacco 307, four touchdowns. I mean, wow, one of the best games Flacco's had in years. And, I mean, kudos to the Jets for not giving up. The resiliency, and ba- resiliency battling back, recovering a huge onside kick that the Browns had multiple times to recover. They couldn't pounce on it. Jets get it. They cash in. Congrats to them. They're one on one. Fluke win. Moving on. Lions commanders. One more point though. Oh, uh, sorry. If it's it's just a you know a little interesting tidbit I found. The Mets, Yankees, Jets, and Giants all won on the same day, yesterday, for the first time since September twenty seventh of two thousand and nine. Wow, that's thirteen years. I know. Long time. Hope it's another thirteen. Congrats. I mean, it's it's just a crazy circumstance, especially considering. The way both New York football teams won was interesting. How often do they lose so, on the same day? Probably a lot. <laughs> probably a lot. But yeah, I mean, that, that's just an interesting fact to throw out there. That's but interesting. Let's move to Lions Commanders, shall yeah, we? Yeah, Lions Commanders. Uh, Carson Wentz looked like Carson Wentz in the Carson Wentz golf showdown Whee! that we've Back only got a couple earth. times. Um, the Lions really uh, put it on the Commanders here this week. The final, what was the final score? 36-27. Very okay, odd so score. They made it a little bit of a game at the end. Uh, I feel like throughout the time I was watching, though, it wasn't close at all. Um, what do you, what do you make of this? Amon Ross St. Brown's a good receiver. Figured that out. Yeah, two uh, touchdowns. Figured out me. that he is a very versatile weapon and is very dangerous if you put him in the right positions. Two carries, sixty-eight yards, including a long of fifty-eight. Also had nine for a buck sixteen and two touchdowns through the air. Uh, that Jared Goff to St. Brown connection looked really good in this game, and. Uh, you know, congratulations, Dan Campbell and the Lions get their first win of the year, but they have to. Uh, it's going to be gone. We'll preview it on the Wednesday Wednesday show, but they travel to Minnesota this Ooh. upcoming week, so that one is no going to bueno. be tough. But on the Commander side, uh, you know, real quick before I read the notebook, you know, Wentz three thirty seven, three touchdowns, one pick, but they were battling uphill all game. Yeah, they were down twenty two nothing. It was felt like they just had to scratch and claw for everything they got. Uh, in the end, it didn't really matter. But I will say, him to Curtis Samuel still it looks didn't pretty really good. Matter. Yeah, uh, Samuel and uh, and Amon Ross St. Brown really are the, the two bright spots from this game. And the Giants, 35 and 36 points in the first two weeks. Are they the highest scoring offense in the league so far? I believe 
So we'll yet we'll we're yet to see how the Bills do and and the Vikings, but yeah. and the actually the Eagles had thirty eight. Oh, yeah, what am I saying? Okay. But a so. quick message from the KUR Notebook. Attention KU community. Want to join a campus club that has a focus on activism, racial justice, gender equity, self-empowerment, and anti-violence? If so, come join FMLA. FMLA meets every Tuesday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at room 104 in the Boxwood House. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest brought to you by the Radio Voices of Kutztown University, KUR. Welcome back to Heavy Hitters. I'm Jack Hyman alongside Mitchell Smedley getting back in our discussion about the 1 o'clock slate of NFL games wrapping up Lions Commanders. Uh, both teams now sit at one and one. Um, you know, this is my cousin's survival pool pick was Detroit. So wow, yeah, he okay. he went a little gutsy. Ah, it was but in our commanders. system. But in our system, you know, first three weeks are a buyback. So if you lose, you get the buyback in increases the pot. But yeah, it's uh, it was um, it was cool, man. Uh, it was, you know, great to see the Lions win this game. I don't know about that. I don't really care for the Lions. Although I, it was against the Commanders. I don't like, but so. I do like Dan Campbell. I don't really. I, I'm Why indifferent about the Lions. Why does everyone but like, like Dan, Dan Campbell? Campbell? I don't get it. He's just a coach you can get motivated to play for. He's no, just a likable coach. He's just weird. He's a likable coach. I, don't like I mean, his he voice. does some very weird things, like <laughs> random onside kicks in games. But yeah. Outside of his sometimes questionable coaching decisions, he is a. Outside of him being a bad for. coach, sometimes he's a good coach. Outside, he's just a guy you can root for. He's just a guy you can root for. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's such a great coach. Yeah, he makes bad coaching decisions, but that doesn't mean he's a bad coach. No, no, not at all. I mean, he's not as bad as Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, that guy can't hack it anymore. Yeah, it's t- yeah got him. <laughs> four o'clock slate. Let's though. move into that four o'clock slate. Why don't we just start there, you know? Rams, that's, uh, yeah, that's our, let's start in Denver. Yeah, let's start in the Mile High City. Uh, Denver and Houston, right? Yes, sir. And 16-9. Too close. Ugly. Too close, Denver. Ugly. Broncos country, uh, keep hiding. <laughs> Broncos country, Broncos country, Hunchy? no. Broncos country, hell no. Hell no. Uh, uh, Russell yeah. Wilson, that doesn't look like it's working out so far. Uh, I love to see it. I love to see the top dogs come down to earth. But uh, they got the win. That's something, right, Jack? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I guess that accounts for something. So they're one and one. Not clean by any any means no much more questionable coaching decisions from nathaniel hackett including doing an end around to your tight end on third and one what are you doing what what are these play calls man this isn't college it's exactly why green bay never made the super bowl but you were the offensive coordinator exactly so um you know i mean it's just very puzzling to see what's going on in denver it's sad Cor- to see the talent wasted Cortland sutton had to carry them in this game seven for a yeah. buck 22 through the air and also had uh, you know, he had a rush for five yards in the ground, but, you know. He Does it shock you to know that Cortland, Su- Cortland Sutton, among uh, Christian Kirk and Amon Ross St. Brown, was also playing against me in fantasy this week? Tough week for you, man. <laughs> it was bad. I think it, we got to talk about a big injury headline from this game. Jerry Judy went down early, what appeared to be a shoulder injury, uh, but they now say it's ribs. He was down. Wow. It looked weird. Um, but, yes, it is ribs, considered day-to-day, not ruled out for week three yet. So, hopefully, he is all uh, you know, all good to go. Stay tuned. Soon, but yeah, we will give an update on Wednesday if we get any more information about that. But we got a we got another big injury to talk about in our yeah, next game. Here. Absolutely. But Let's just finish this one up here. Texan side of things, man. Yeah. Offense not really looking great. You know, Damian Pierce took a hold of this backfield after him and Burkhead split carries in Week One. Uh, so for all your Damian Pierce fantasy owners out there, that is something that is good. Uh, but Davis Mills, buck seventy-seven through the air, really not impressive. Nothing special. Uh, him and Nico Collins were the leading receivers. Brandon Cooks, that is. Both had four catches. Collins for 58. Cooks for 54. Yeah, not really much positive on the offensive side for Houston, but the defense continues to look solid under Levy Smith's guidance. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I still think the Texans are just a terrible team. I agree, but the defense has been feisty and fiery through the first two weeks. A little bit. So, I mean, you see this sometimes with uh, teams like, oh, the Giants. Uh, yeah, they just true. come out seeming like they have something to play for, and then it all falls apart. Oh, I don't think the Giants are a good football team. No, I don't either. 2-0 is exciting. Thank God we're on the same page with that one. Um, moving on to two other teams I don't think are good football teams. Uh, NFC West Divisional Showdown. Seahawks and 49ers. And the big story, unfortunately, out of this one is an injury. Uh, Trey Lance is out for the season, correct? Yes, sir. Out for the season. Got carted off yesterday, turning over the helm to Jimmy Garoppolo, what did you make of uh, of the Niners here with um, Jimmy compared to uh, Trey Lance? Well, the Niners did exactly what I expected, whether it, was, whether it was Lance or Garoppolo. They handled the Seahawks. It wasn't close. They won by 20, and they're 1-1. One one. Look, um, there's a lot of rumblings out of this Niners organization right now that, you know, among coaches and some players, that this team is under better guidance with Jimmy G at the helm compared to Trey Lance. That's what I've noticed. And that's going to that's gonna be a big factor for not only for this season, but for the future of Trey Lance's NFL career. I... Am not convinced that he will play another down in a Niners uniform. That's really, just my personal opinion. Wow. Now that now that I'm going to put an asterisk next to that, depending on how Jimmy G plays out the rest of the season. Do you think if, if Jimmy G plays well if enough, if Jimmy G do you leads think, into the playoffs, uh, let me throw you a situation here. Do you think Trey Lance could end up being uh, the next solution Carolina tries to find? Maybe because Baker obviously does not look like it's working out. Maybe that is a possibility, but yeah, you know, if Jimmy G can get into the playoffs, if they go on another run like they did last year. They went to the NFC Championship game. People, you know, are quick to forget that they went on a deep run last year with Garoppolo at the helm. And while I don't think Jimmy G's that great of a quarterback, no, not he's, at all. He has had playoff success out in San Francisco. It's a really interesting thing. It's like the Foles Wentz situation those years ago. Uh, it really is unfortunate for Trey Lance, who, you know, I doubted him. I'm not going to deny that, but he had the chance to prove me wrong, and unfortunately, you know. The, the thing about the NFL, we hands. always want him to have the chance. And, yeah, that got taken away, um, and it's just a part of football, but it absolutely terrible. Uh, Seahawks, on the other side, came back down to earth after their Monday night win over the seemingly less and less impressive Broncos. Uh, Seahawks, you know, uh, we, we thought they were a terrible team coming into the year. They, and they had a good showing, did. and, yeah, it was all smoke and mirrors, it seems. Yeah. So... We'll move on. And there's these teams that do that week one, though. And I think the Seahawks are this year's example. 100%. And there's teams that do this in the first two, like the Giants. Yeah. I'm going to keep saying it because I hate the Giants. I know you do. Moving on. Uh, What a finish. Arizona. Wow. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I mean, an ultimate collapse from the Raiders. But you have to to credit the Cardinals for the comeback. Wow. Um, I mean, Kyler Murray was able to make plays in that game. You know, going out of the pocket, just getting creative, especially on that, you know, touchdown pass. Yeah. Uh, to to, oh no! On the run, on the run. Yeah, yeah. He had the game tying touchdown run, and then the, and then the finding catch. AJ oh Green. my goodness! Yeah. So. On the two point conversion to tie it, sends the game to overtime, and the defense with the game winning fum, fumble return. Fumble right? recovery. Yes. yes. Hunter Renfro coughed it up twice in twice overtime. In Raiders pass on one. Byron Murphy scoop and scores the other. Raiders are a dumpster fire right now, man. It's Josh McDaniels, bad. I didn't think he was a head, good head coach the first time around when he was with Denver. That's why nope. he went back to New England. I don't think he's going to have another good run this time around. Uh, this offense looks good at times, but also very disjointed at times. And I feel like Karsh is really trying to force feed it to Devontae Adams because he doesn't really have the trust in his other options right now. And I don't think that's fully on Carr. I don't think that's fully in the options. I think it's just a bad offensive scheme. And it's just really unfortunate because I like this Raiders team with the Carr Adams connection, but so far it hasn't been working out their own two and things. 
uh, will be interesting week three. Is we'll see what Tennessee does tonight. Is that's where they have to go? In ah, week oh three. man, talk about underperforming teams. Yeah, I might be seeing two teams in desperation mode in week three. Might be seeing two zero and two two zero and two teams trying to get it back on track. Someone's going to get a win there. So. Absolutely. Well, we got to take Stay a break. Tuned. Hour number two coming up. We will finish breaking down NFL slate before previewing our two Monday night football matches here on Heavy Hitters. Stay with us. Welcome back to Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim, radio voice at Kutztown University, KUR. Moving through NFL Week 2. In hour number two, we're going to slide on over to Jerry World, Dallas, and Cincinnati. Uh, Cowboys looked like they had control of this game, shockingly, after losing Dak Prescott last week. Cooper Rush looked more than competent. Uh, Joe Burrow launched a comeback of 14 points, down 17-3. Tied the game at 17, only to lose on a game-winning field goal for the Cowboys. Jack, the Super Bowl runners-up are 0-2. That's a problem, isn't it? Oh, it is. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it is. And oh, I it think, is. And I think it's going to be long-term problems. Did the Bengals make the playoffs? Do we slam the panic button on Cincinnati right now? Do Jack's we do it, freaking out about the Bengals. No, we don't. I mean, I am. They're done. They're not winning the game. No, I'm just kidding. What game? Freaking out. All um, games. <laughs> all games. Owen's Bengals 0-17. They're done. They're done. No, but um, in all seriousness here, it's there are some ugly problems, though, that were there last year, and they're rearing its ugly yep. head so far this year. You know, they made moves to address the offensive line. They bring in Leo Collins. Uh, they bring in Alex Kappa, I think his name is. I don't know if it's Kappas or Kappa. Whatever but, it is, it didn't work. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's the grand point I was about to get to, though. Yeah, uh, they have not worked. <laughs> the the new acquisitions along the offensive line have been porous. Uh, Ted Karras was another one, and Alex Kappa, yes. So those are the three new guys they brought in, and it's it's... It's bad. It's bad. What was the stat? It was like seven games of at least six sacks for Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, you, you can't win football games like that. Yeah. I mean, Burrow's getting hit all the time. They haven't really run the ball efficiently. Mixon, no. 57 yards and 19 carries. That's three carry, not good. Burrow didn't throw an interception, but only threw it for a buck 99 in the touchdown. It's offense, you know, Burrow and Chase still have that pretty solid connection, and he established some things with T. Higgins late yesterday with that late touchdown. And their, but, I mean, uh, their new tight end. Oh, who did they get? Hurst. I, yeah, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. But uh, also, uh, Drew Sample left that game hurt. That looked a little ugly, mm. so hopefully he's okay. But, um, yeah, it's it's not good. Not good so far for the Bengals. And I think I think Zach Taylor's not that great of a head coach. I think he just inherited a circumstance where everything clicked and everything went right for the Bengals last year. You know, all the right buttons were pushed. That offense was great. You know, Burrow was able to navigate around a bad offensive line. Uh, the offense was, you know, we were talking about this last night. Uh, and this is my humble opinion. I think the Bengals will still be good. I think they'll make the playoffs, but you know, I think they really caught a lightning in the bottle situation last year with how well the defense and everything just gelled together at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was going to be a beatdown in favor of Cincinnati, and they come out with a with a loss. I it's mean, just flat. This team does not look motivated to play. It's frustrating. And this got this got actually. Uh, I was almost going to make this Mitchell's meltdown of uh, Mitchell's Monday meltdown. Uh, almost made it because I hate seeing Cowboys fans happy. I hate seeing Jerry Jones say, I told you so, because he didn't panic when Cooper Rush came in last week. He remembered what happened on Halloween against the Vikings. And um, at least for a week, he's been proven correct that Cooper Rush is is enough to carry this this Cowboys squad. And they're not undefeated anymore. They're not uh, unwinning anymore, which really, it hurts a part of my soul, Jack, to see them get a gutsy win. I really hate that. Yeah, Cooper Rush 2-0 as a starting quarterback, one 
last year's Sunday night in Minnesota. This year wins a primetime 4 o'clock game on CBS at home against the Bengals. So Cooper Rush 2-0. He's had some success. They will travel to New York next uh, Monday night football for week three. We'll talk about that on the Wednesday show, give a full preview. Yep. Um, but, let's, yeah, I think we got to go to Rams-Falcons now. I was going to say, let's move to another 2-0 team. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. 1-1. One one one. One. Oh, how silly of me. 1-1. One one. Well, one does have... Zero and two in their record. Yeah, that's Atlanta, and they're zero and two. Maybe I'm dyslexic then. So, um, yeah, (laughs) we did that at the exact same time. That was weird. Never do that again. That was weird. That was disgusting. Wow. (laughs) We keep it interesting here. We do. So the Falcons made it close a little bit. Lost by nine to the Rams. Rams put up thirty six on them. Thirty one. Sorry. Oh, I thought you said 36-27. That was the Washington Lions. Oh, it was. I'm so it's 31-27 Rams. 31. Okay, even closer. That that goes to further my point. Uh, looked like Rams domination for a while. Cooper Cup had a game. Um, you know, they, they finally got their offensive mojo back, albeit against the Falcons. Um, <laughs> so I... <laughs> What are we making of the Super Bowl champs, Jack? Um, really, that's all this game comes down to. What are they? Before I get into the Rams, I want to say something. What do you want to say? The Rams are up 28-3 in this game. If the Falcons oh! would have came back, if the Falcons would have came back and won, they could have erased all the 28 Well, not all of it, but they could have erased some of the 28-3 slander oh! by erasing one of their own. But wow. they did. Against the Super Bowl champ. Yep. 31-27. Yeah, Rams hold on. Jalen Ramsey sealed the game with a big-time interception, rising up over, I believe it was... Drake London, but I could be wrong. Makes sense. He's their prime uh, And he receiver. is the biggest guy they have. You yeah, know I mean? so it, that matchup would make sense. See what happens, Falcons, when you have 28 and you add more to it. Yeah. You yeah. win the game. Exactly. When Take you score more notes. points, you win the game. Yeah, exactly. Lock it down. Who knew? Um, but, yeah, my thoughts on the Rams, I mean, Stafford to Cup is as strong as ever. It's Cups electric. Cups already got three touchdowns on the year. Woogie, woogie, woogie. Um, Al Robinson notches his first touchdown as a Ram, so okay. he actually got it there. And I believe, no, that was not Drake London. I don't can't really tell who that is, but it d- didn't matter. Ramsey got the game-stealing interception anyway. Was it Pitts? No, it was a short guy. It might have been. Was it Zacchaeus? Mm, I don't know. Other than London and Pitts, I don't really care about the uh, receivers. Yeah, they don't the really have that many dynamic playmakers. No, outside of those not two. really. But, yeah, yeah, you know, for the Rams, it's... It's a oh, it's a pickle. Yeah, it's interesting to man. get utterly demolished. But I'm still not convinced they're. Uh, I'm still not convinced Matt Stafford's okay. Yeah, I mean he's throwing five picks in two games. That's some Jameis Winston numbers right there. Like 512 yards. That's not bad. That's what do you mean? That's not bad. That's incredible. It's all right. 512. Yeah, half a thousand. You know. Whoopsie do in two games though. Like if you're like a, in a prolific. Oh, I offense. thought you meant in one game. No, no, no two games. Oh, oh that's kind of mediocre. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said it's. All I right. thought you meant just this weekend. I was no. like, I missed that headline. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So I mean, if it's five hundred twelve yards in a game, that is incredible. But you know, I do have to unfortunately interrupt the discussion real quickly. Oh. Oh, For a KUR Notebook message from the KUR Notebook. Soul. Attention KU community, join the LGBTQ plus resource center for a weekly LGBTQ plus book club. An author who is part of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as a themed book, will be selected to be enjoyed and discussed as a club. The LGBTQ plus book club meets every Tuesday from 2 to 3 p.m. in the Boxwood House. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Jack Hyman, Mitchell Smedley, heavy hitters here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Getting back into our discussion about the Falcons 
and the Rams. More importantly, the Rams. Yeah, more importantly, just the Rams. We know what the Falcons are. They're not good. They're 0-2 for a reason. Uh, but yeah, Matt Stafford, 512 yards on the season, not through one game. Okay. Four touchdowns, five picks, QBR of 49.8. Not good. Not good not stats. Not good at all. Um, So turning over the ball over a lot. He threw 17 picks last year, which tied for the league lead with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and, you know, the ugly interception marks are rearing its head again. You know, just like the Bengals, they're having some bad problems arise, but they were able to overcome it and hang on and win this game. What is with the Super Bowl hangover, man? Yeah, I know. The I winners, the losers, but the Rams got to go take on one of your favorite teams next week, Arizona. Oh, okay. They're not one of my favorite. I don't get it. Oh, man. Uh, I don't mean that as in you like them, but you're just very high on them, I should say. Very, I, I said they're going to be a wild card contender, not even a wild card team. I just nah. said they were going to be there. This stems from a conversation a couple of weeks ago. If you're unfamiliar, I said that there are a lot of teams battling in the NFC for these wild card spots. It's not cut and dry at all. And I listed a bunch of teams. I'm like, well, you got whoever doesn't win the division in the Packers and the Vikings. So one of them, uh, Eagles, Cowboys, one of them. That was before the Giants were undefeated. You still think the Cowboys are going to be in that race? Oh, I mean, this week was a gutsy win. I mean, it was. I don't knows? think they're out of it yet. No, I. Think, but I don't think they're solidly. I, personally, in the race. I think they finish with the same record as the Cardinals. What is that? Oh, that could be seven and ten, eight and nine. I'll give it eight and nine. I don't think they go six and eleven. No, That's I don't think I they go six that. and eleven at all. No, no, I think they finish with the same record. But the Cardinals, um, they got the first of their wins this week. Yeah, in miracu- so mur- miraculous fashion. Yeah, pun intended. You know, just my final thoughts though on Rams Falcons for yeah, go for Sunday it. night because we got to do unfortunately push things along. I'd love to sit here and talk NFL all day, but. We are capped by a time limit. Isn't it crazy? It is. We added two more hours. Yeah. But I think we're still efficiently getting through things. I but yes, thirty-one so. twenty-seven. final thoughts. Uh, Cooper Cup's that guy. He's Cooper still going to be that guy. Awesome. And uh, the, Rams, the Rams will be fine. Yep. They will be fine. All right. NFC North. Bears, Packers. As Mike Tirico said, Aaron Rodgers beats the Bears. What else is new? <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I still own you, improves to, I believe, 24-5 and five in his 29 career matchups against the Bears. Gross. Uh, yeah, that is a full-on domination. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I think the Bears look a little bit better than people thought. That's, you know, I'm starting to feel it a little bit. Like, now, I don't think they're going to be a is good a, team. However, but. this is a pack. Let's keep in mind, this is a Packers team that did get lit up by the Vikings. The defense did not look good against the Vikings. We could have been seeing some residual effects from that. The Bears put up only 10? No. They put up more than 10, didn't they? 10 points, I think. Yeah, they did put, yep, 27-10 was the final. Yeah, so that's not really good at all, actually, now that I consider it. Um, They never really fell in this game. They were very close to making it a one-possession game when it was 24-10. Justin Fields came up a hair short of the goal line, and then they uh, could not convert on fourth and goal. If that happens, you know, this is, a, this is a close game. Seven points at the time. Packers went on to add a field goal. You don't know how that goes, though. Defenses are playing differently, all that sort of thing. But uh, really not that much to uh, unpack here. Rodgers responded well after a terrible performance uh, where it looked like he was totally missing Devontae Adams. He, you know, he used his running back, uh, Aaron Jones, here in this game. Two touchdown Stud. passes to Aaron Jones. What a game for Aaron. Stud. It's the Aarons today, you know? Yeah, Aaron, Aaron, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, you know, Packers will be fine. They did the same thing last year. People, exact same People thing. freak out after a bad week one loss. Aaron Rodgers gets the train back on the tracks. And he said in his post-game interview last night, he said, look, we did the same thing last year. We went on the road against a formidable team. We were, you know, unsuccessful. We got blown off the field. Week two, we came home, played a divisional opponent, won at home. 
Week three, they had to travel to go play San Francisco, a playoff team from last mm-hmm. year, and they won that game. They now travel down to Tampa Bay, Ooh. and that's a game I think the Packers can win. That's yeah. going to be a close game. It's going to be a tight game, but I think the Packers can pull it out. Um, you know, That's not my prediction, but I think it's definitely going to be a close game. It's possible. So, you know, good bounce back ever from Green Bay. Let's see where Matt LaFleur and company takes it from here. As for Eberflus and the Bears, they got to go home and play Houston. I think it's a favorable matchup for them. Uh, yep. And there are signs to like. You know, they ran the ball really effectively in the second half. Montgomery ended up with a 15 carries for a buck 22. That's eight a carry. Yeah, nice job. Uh, and then Khalil Herbert, four carries for 38 yards. That's nine a carry. So they finished with 180 rushing yards on 27 attempts for 6.7 a carry. And Fields had a rushing touchdown as a team. So they were able to establish some run game there in late third quarter, early fourth quarter. That offensive line controlled that game. So there are definitely some positives to take away from this game. Uh, but the negatives are... Where's Darnell Mooney? Yeah. Where's Darnell Mooney? And this passing game is awful. I mean, Fields throws for 70 yards and an interception in the game. That was unbelievable. Granted, that interception was late and it was, the game was already over. Oh, at that game point, was done. But yeah, so. so. Moving on, we got two Monday Night Football games to uh, deep dive preview. Deep dive preview here. We got Bills, Titans. Jack is not high on the Titans. We're both very high on the Bills. I think this is, well, I think we both think this is a pretty solid Bills win. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, we do have other things to get to in today's show. Uh, we can move through this one fairly quickly. We're going to move quickly. through this one fairly quickly before we deep dive. Eagles won. Woo! Um, yeah, Bills-Titans, I think it's Bills, not particularly close. Josh Allen has a monster games, as does Stephon Diggs. And I think this running game gets going a little bit, too. You think we'll Devin see, Singletary? We see, we'll, we'll see multiple guys go at it, but I think Dev, Devin Singletary gets some stuff going. They'll use Zach Moss in power rushing situations. Maybe we'll see a little bit more James Cook, too. You know, we'll, we'll see. Okay. I think big things to come for Bills offense in this Jack game. says watch out for the uh, the running attack of the Bills. Yeah. All right. Well, moving into the game. Look at like Saquon was able to rush it last week, though. And Yeah, and he got shut down a little bit. Oh. I mean, so, yeah, but he ran all over the Which Titans. means the Titans suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, not really. The Eagles and Vikings. I am wearing my midnight green Deshaun Jackson jersey. Garbage. So are you. <laughs> love you too, buddy. I, um, I do love you, Jack. Yeah. Oh, Take man. it away. Uh, from a third person, from a third party, tell us about the game. Eagles-Vikings, these are two of the NFC's best. As much as I do not like the Eagles, you have to admit yeah. where this team's going. And they have certainly made the roster improvements necessary to be very competitive in the NFC this year in a conference that, in my mind... It's wide open. It's anyone's conference. No one has really razzle-dazzled and impressed me, you know, like the Bills have in the AFC. This conference is anyone's conference. I think it's going to be that way all year. I don't think there's going to be one team to really separate themselves from the pack. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, like the one through four seed division winners will all be like right there within like a game or two of each other. I think it's just how close these teams are in skill level. 100% agree. But, um, yeah, you'll, I think you'll see two of the division winners going at it tonight, uh, if I had to go off my predictions. But also agree. And, yeah, in the link, it's going to be a great environment. Uh, these Eagle fans will definitely be rocking. They'll be they'll be rowdy. It's our home opener. Uh, but you know, this offense, man, it's weird. It's a weird vibe around it because I don't think Jalen Hurts is necessarily he's not a bad quarterback. He is, but he's not a great quarterback either. You can say like, he's a bad. Quarterback. He's he's average. Like he's not. He doesn't bring any traits that say wow. Like this certain thing about Jalen Hurts is going to put us over the top. What do you mean? The running like, is pretty good. The ceiling is capped. Yeah, he can run it well. But he's like in terms of doing things with throwing the ball. Oh, he sucks at throwing the ball. But I like, hate watching a passing offense run by Jalen Hurts. Yes, yeah, so, it hurts my I mean, body. It's it's a weird kind of vibe. Eagles are the favorite. I'd have I'm to shocked. go with the dog. I I mean personally. There's no bias in this. I think the Vikings just find a way to pull it out. It's going to be gr- gritty, grinded out type of game, and it's going to be, I think, a one possession game. But 
You know, it's just, it's meh. I think Justin Jefferson will ball out, and that's going to be the difference. You Justin know? Jefferson's going to go off, and Jalen Rager's going to have a touchdown. So, real, that's bold, man. <laughs> that's going to that, happen. That's bold. You already know. Even if it's like a one yard, like rushing touchdown it for Rager. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as he gets, if he the, gets flex in the on If us. he gets in the end zone, that's, that's bad. I'm going to cry. That's bad. Yeah, so the way I see it, the biggest thing I'm looking for tonight is what happens with the Eagles' defense. Offense, I think, is going to be good. Does CJ Gardner Johnson play? Oh, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know the status on uh, CJ. So sorry to cut you off, by the way. No, you're good. But like, you know, is is are those corners going to continue to make big plays? Can we actually get some pass rush going on Kirk Cousins? Can um, Slay contain Jefferson? Exactly. That's going to be the matchup to watch because yep. Thielen, I think, can be held in check by Bradbury. If I had to guess, um, but really, it comes down to does Jefferson just run all over us? We had the option to take him. By the way. I digress. That still irritates me to this day. Eagles going for the uh, 2-0 start. Had some problems on defense last week against the Lions. We'll see if they can bounce back. Do we have to take a break? I feel like we're at that time. Yes, we do. 10 seconds till a break. We are going to step aside for the first time in the second hour. When we come back, we will wrap up our predictions of Eagles-Vikings, move into MLB talk, and wrap it up with college. Stick with us here in the second hour of Heavy Hitters. Welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University. K-U-R, Kutztown. Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley. Mitchell Smith. Mitchell Smedley, the Bucks County kid. <laughs> oh, by the way, best regards to Gus Johnson. Hope he is all right. Yeah. He had to leave the broadcast booth on Saturday in that Oklahoma-Nebraska game. Uh, Joel Klatt said he was feeling uh, too ill to continue the broadcast. So, uh, you know, best wishes to really Gus Johnson. Hope, okay. hope he is okay. You know, he's... He's an iconic broadcaster and such a nice, absolute, well-known voice, icon of the show. As Mitchell and I we are very fond, very fond of his broadcasting manners and some of the things he says are so unique. But yeah, uh, back to uh, Monday night. You know, final thoughts ahead of Eagles Vikings. You know, we pinpointed some key matchups to look forward to. I think another thing is, you know, how involved is Dalvin Cook in this game? They're going to obviously hand on the ball, but can he get involved in the passing game too? Uh, to be able to balance things out for the Vikings and really give yeah. them an underneath option. You know, of course, Justin Jefferson is the obvious guy you have to look out for, and Adam Thielen's a decent counterpart along the other side of the field. But can Dalvin Cook really be a difference maker in this game? Uh, because you saw you saw the way DeAndre Swift was able to run on this Eagles front in week one. Dalvin Cook's better than DeAndre Swift, and no discredit to Swift. He's a very good running back. But the traits that Dalvin Cook brings are game-breaking and game-changing. Uh, do we see Dalvin Cook, you know, break loose a couple big runs in this game that ultimately change how this one is decided. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, because when the Lions were at their best against this defense, it was with Swift. It was with Swift gashing us for 55 yards on the first play. Or, you know, uh, what did he have, two touchdowns? They had a bunch of touchdowns on the ground. Uh, that, that was the strength of the team. You know, you didn't really hear from guys like St. Brown or, or um, Hawkinson. It was really about the run game that was successful against the Eagles defense. So yeah, Three rushing touchdowns. Three, okay. So, yeah, nice handful there. Um, so that's really what I'm paying attention to in this uh, in this game is the Eagles' defense. The offense, I think, will be there. If it's not, you know, that's cause for concern. But I think they're even better than they, well, they, they might not put up 38, but that's just because they're playing a better opponent. Um, you're going to see A.J. Brown continue to draw a lot of attention. And then behind him, you got you know, um, Smith. Had, Devontae Smith had no catches last week. That's going to change, and that's going to bring another dimension to the offense. Dallas Goddard is going to be involved. Uh, Pasco only had one catch. He's not really involved, but he's a you know he's a weapon that you can utilize. You know we have valid pass catchers now for the first time in a long time. So 
I think the Eagles' offense will be there. Miles Sanders looks to be back. You know, we're only one game into this, but he looks to be back. Love Miles Sanders. Um, and we'll just we'll just see how it goes. Really, most of my attention is on the Eagles' defense. We're going to transition. Where are we going? MLB. We got to you know, we got to touch on MLB. Yeah, real, real quickly for today's show. We'll we'll, we'll get I'll into make it a little bit more Wednesday because you know middle of the week away from yeah, the football. Middle of the week, you know, separate from the football news. But you know, the NL East race. Oh. I mean, man, it, it's getting ever so narrow as the season's getting down. But I really want to shift the focus to your Phillies first before this, we get into my Mets. Well, let me let me take it away for a Mitch's second. Mitch's Monday meltdown. Mitch's Monday meltdown is the Philadelphia Phillies getting swept by the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to turn down your dial. Yeah, just a little bit. I'm upset, Jack Heim. I yeah. can't believe it. You're unbelievable. This is... This is supposed to be the year that we break through from 2011. This is supposed to be the playoffs. And this, as the standings sit right now, is the team that you're going to play. Or is it set? I don't know how it sits nope. right now. Nope, you're the third wild card right now, buddy. third wild card. Well, congratulations. Go well, I'd rather play St. Louis. And that lead ain't safe, my friend. Milwaukee is... No, they are Milwaukee hot on is our coattails. Scorching hot. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10, but... My friend, you're going to be pulling for the Mets. Dude, the, the Braves. You have to root for the Mets, my friend. I, I don't want to root for the Mets. Oh, I know you don't, but you so have to. Because the, the Phillies keep losing, the Brewers keep winning, they're going to knock you out. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. In the three games this weekend, the Phillies scored, what was it, two, three, and two runs. Two, three, and two. That's a total of seven. How many runs did the Braves have in game one? For those that don't know, the answer's seven. The answer is seven, and <laughs> they continue to seven. add throughout the weekend. It wasn't – they didn't belong on the same field as the Braves. It was unreal. We were winning in the eighth inning of game one. Uh, coming off the loss uh, – Good job, Phillies bullpen. To the – was it Marlins? I think. I forget who we played last week because this just drowned out any memory of it. We were winning the game. It was a low-scoring battle, 2-1. to one, And I believe it was Sir Anthony Dominguez, of all people, that uh, came in. And over the course of the inning, six runs. That's not a playoff bullpen. That is not how you play baseball. We are seeing, we are, we are seeing Joe Girardi-esque collapses under Rob Thompson. And it's not even just Joe Girardi. This is what the Phillies do. 2019, under Gabe Kapler, they collapse. 2021, under Girardi, they collapse. 2022, under Rob Thompson, and they're collapsing. They're melting down. I'm melting down. That's Mitch's Monday meltdown. Ooh, it's September. You know what that means. Phillies collapse when September ends. Yep. Yeah, that's what Phillies fans are singing all across the land right now. But in Mets land, it's a little bit more of a positive note. Because with a win tonight in Milwaukee, the New York Mets will clinch a playoff berth for the first time since 2016. But that's not what my eyes are settled on. That is not not what I'm settled on. I want to make the playoffs, but I want this division. That's what I want. My eyes are set on the National League East crown. I want Atlanta to be having to play in that wild card round, not seeing the blue and orange having to play either San Diego or Philadelphia in round number one. I, I tell you that right now. We've been leading this division far too long to lose it now. But, man, it's just it's looking like that stupid series in Atlanta late in the year is going to decide this division. <laughs> and I know something's going to – I have gut feeling something's going to go wrong. But that's not what I'm worried about right now. Big road series in Milwaukee. Scherzer versus Burns tonight, his first – Game back off the minor stint on the injured list. You, you have got, my full permission, Mets, to blow the doors off of them. So, yeah, then Carrasco goes Tuesday. Tyon Walker goes Wednesday. So, big three-game set up 
in Milwaukee and up in Brewers land at American Family Field. Mets fans should be scared, so, by the way, because I'm supporting your team. And yeah. any team I support, it, it's over. Yeah. Can't win. Notre Dame? We'll get to that in a Oh, bit. you had to say it. But, um, yeah, oh, I mean, that's kind of our trip is. around the NL East, our minor baseball tidbits. That's a good transition. Um, but, yeah, Judge had 59 home runs, some quick hitters. Yeah. Uh, Pools at 698. They're on another level right now. Pools at 698, only two away from 700 that Chase is still on. Goldie and Judge both going for respective Triple Crowns. Gross. Big time races to monitor. But we will uh, further update you with those on Wednesday. We're going to shift our focus now for the final portion of today's show, college football. Week three, rapid reaction for some games, deep dive into others. But I don't want to start off any other place than down in Auburn, Alabama. The Penn State Nittany Lions. the good vibes back in here. The Penn State Nittany Lions marched into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Penn State Nittany Lions. Marched into Jordan-Hare Stadium and absolutely beat the brakes off of Auburn. Beat the they all burned it to the awful. ground. It was an all barn burner. It was not particularly close. Forty-one to twelve, folks. It was a blowout in every sense of the word. Oh, Let me give man. you some padlock stats stats here to look at uh, in this one. Um, total yards, they were close. You know, every margin of things was close. Uh, but the turnovers, turnover battle, big old padlock stat right there. Auburn four turnovers, Penn State zero. Clean game for the Nittany Lions. James Franklin and company. They've done. They did something they haven't done in this tenure at Penn State, and that's go on the road and win handedly. Every time it feels like they go on the road, they play in a tight, nail-biting kind of game. Like Purdue. But in this one, like Purdue, great example, Mitch. Thank you. But Dad. in this one, it was different. It was a different vibe. From the time that ball got kicked off to the time that final whistle blew, it was Penn State's game to win, and Auburn really stood no chance. Uh, you know, everyone talks about the big boys in the SEC. Really, Penn State looked like the better team, talent-wise, Everything wise in this game, if you took off the you know the white road jerseys and the navy blue of Auburn and put just regular pennies on these guys, you would say Penn State's the SEC team. Yeah, but that is not the case. And it was um, during their orange out, second in like the last four decades. Yeah, and you know what Penn State did really good? Neutralized a big time home environment. Uh, and the big and the best way to do that, Run drive the fans the football that and drive the fans out in droves. By the time the end of the third quarter rolls around, you see the sea of orange parting Jordan Hare Stadium because that game was all said and done. Bold take here, Mitch, and I might be crazy for it, but Penn State, their running back, their true freshman running back, Nick Singleton. Oh baby, he is oh, a baby. dog. Love it. He is the best running back to step I step through it. those doors since Saquon Barkley played at Penn State. He is the best running back to play on that team. Since Saquon Barkley was there, now I'm not comparing that's not him that to Saquon much of a hot Barkley. Take. It's not hot, but that's it's, that's it's basically him. You saying that's the the take there is Singleton's better than Miles Sanders. Yeah, because Sanders is the best one since Saquon. Yeah, currently. But dude, I mean Singleton's just different, man. He's, he's got, so good. He's got that accelerator. He's got the afterburners. He is just a dynamic running back. How long? And we how will long be was seeing that touchdown this week? Fifty-four yards. Fifty-four. We will be yards. seeing Nick Singleton play on Sundays. In just a few short years, folks, and it's going to be a fun ride. I'm so. Excited. I loved him coming out of high school. I, you know, I'm big in watching the highlights of high school guys. I just love recruiting. I'm a big recruiting guy. Uh, you know, I'm not a Penn State guy. I'm a Florida State guy, yeah. but and I'm a big running back guy. Man, but yeah, I love backs, dude. I love seeing a quality running back come out. And Nick Singleton looks every sense of a quality running back. He is just so phenomenal to watch, and it's going to be fun to watch him. It's going to be fun for Penn State fans to watch him not only this year but for the next two seasons. Uh, soon up in that Nittany Lions. Uniform and 100%. the road whites and the home blue. Uh, so 
they certainly have a guy they can root for there, and he's really separated himself from every other back in this room. Uh, and it's crazy what it, what happens when you have a solid running game. Uh, it makes Sean Clifford look like a whole lot better of a quarterback. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's crazy how much good uh, it's crazy how much better a quarterback can look if your offense can efficiently run the football. I didn't have to worry even with Sean Clifford in there. Nope. And I would say we needed to put in Aller uh, before this game. And, honestly, I, mean, I got shut up. I tell I tell you what. I tell you what. This is tell me what, Jack. what no this this is the result that no one expected. Everyone expected this to be a close game down to close the end. Battle, but know? this one was a blitz. And uh, I tell you what, it's gonna have bad implications for Auburn at the end of season's end. Their head coach, Brian Harson, will no longer be there. Uh, that is not just my take. Uh, you know, I, I, I watch po- I listen to podcasts and I read around and that is the vibe down in Auburn, Alabama right now. The, that result on Saturday was an embarrassment. Their biggest home loss in a decade. Awesome. Last time they lost that big at home was 2012. Um, and that disaster of a season, what that was for the Tigers. But yeah, uh, the Brian Harson era will come to an end at season's end uh, at Auburn. They will be, my my personal opinion, they will be looking for wow. a new head coach. That makes uh, sense. You just can't have those type of results happen at Auburn. The expectations Absolutely are too not. high. You can't get, look, you can't get embarrassed. Off. You can't get laughed off your home field like that. Uh, at a premier program like Auburn and the you know expectations they have there, but congratulations again to Penn State. We got to take a look at their upcoming schedule. They're three. That's and what up. I was going to say. They When's host, the next test? They host Central Michigan, yeah. then Northwestern. So they will be mm. five and zero oh by well, the time well, well, a big. Ro- no, let me let me get to it. Okay, they will be five and zero oh. down here. Five and zero. Oh, you know, by the gotta time, win the games first. By the time, well, should be five and zero. Oh, I should say, but should be five and zero oh before an October fifteenth duel up in Ann Arbor, Michigan oh, with the Wolverines. Baby. Oh, I tell man. you what, both those teams I think are going to be undefeated going into that game, and What's it's going to have Michigan heavy wins? implications. The Wolverines fourth in the nation right now. Fourth. Wow. Really? Wow. They're a good team. Okay. But that's wow. going to be a big road test for James Franklin and company. But can't deny it. Penn State, very good football team. I think they should be in the top ten. Uh, they they will find their way there. You think they should be? Short weeks. I think that's They came in they unranked are. into the season. They've proven it. A little narrow win over Purdue. They've proven it. But yeah, also, nice. the gap between like 14 and Eight is very slim. You think so? Yeah. Okay. In terms of like rankings wise, like if these like according to AP polls and stuff like that. I got you. Like if you look at like the like not, I mean not fully talent, but like if you're just ranking based off records and the way they've looked and strength of schedule and all that stuff that goes yeah. into it, they're they're very close in terms of ranking them. Okay. One spot over the so other. Penn State in a future year will be on the fringe of uh, the playoffs. Yeah, possibly. The playoffs. Maybe at the end of this year, depending on how it goes. <laughs> but uh. We're going to stick with the 3.30 slate. BYU-Oregon, we headlined this game at the end of Wednesday's show last week. But, man, tell you what, Dan Lanning and these Ducks, they looked very impressive. A big bounce-back performance at home. Very talented BYU team coming into town, and they they shut them down. Uh, There was a late surge from Jordan Hall and this BYU – Jaron Hall, excuse me, and this BYU offense. Uh, But it was Oregon's game from start to finish again. Just another domination. It was 38-7 at the end of the third quarter. Final score was 41-20. So, again – Mentioned garbage time. Yeah, it wasn't points. even that close. But yeah, exactly. I was watching not, with uh, not I was actually at Penn State Burks, and we were you know kind of keeping an eye on some of the scores, and everyone was shocked that Oregon was just blowing the doors off. Yeah, absolutely. As was I. Coming. But Bo Nix, incredible day. Five total touchdowns, two twenty-two, two touchdowns through the air, thirty-five yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. Five total touchdowns for the Auburn transfer quarterback. Oregon two and one, and they have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. They go at Washington State. Home to Stanford at Oregon in the next upcoming weeks. Really, their next biggest test in my mind will be late in the season against Washington. They got to play Washington, Utah, and Oregon State consecutively to end the season. Those games will be huge in how Oregon's final record gets wrapped up. But we have plenty of weeks to wait for that. Uh, I'm excited about the present. I don't 
You know, I like looking at the future schedule. I like but, it too. Uh, College you know, is one of those sports you can do that because most of the games go how you think they're going to go. Absolutely. Ole Miss beats the brakes off Georgia Tech 42-0. Yeah. They're not going to spend too much time on that one. Just the Rebels, they look good. And they, they're they going to have a big week five dance with uh, Kentucky down in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, Tulsa Tulsa goes into Ole Miss next week, so it'll be to win for the for the Rebels. And Kentucky, I think, plays – they play another, you know, mop-up game. Yeah. So. Uh, Purdue Syracuse though that one started at noon. Not not a game that many people had their eyes on, but I not tell you all. what, it was a fantastic finish. Thirty two twenty nine. Cuse wins. They're three and zero. And fun fact, you know, everyone likes the dog, the ACC. There are seven three and zero ACC schools to start this season. That's the most in a season. I think I, I saw it on Twitter. You know, from an ACC network host of a show called the uh, the Huddle. But I forget what last year was, or maybe it's the most ever. I don't know. It's one of those two possibilities, but. I digress. The ACC has been very solid to start this season. Uh, this game was pretty boring through three quarters, but Syracuse outscores Purdue 22-20 in the final quarter for a 32-29 finish. Game-winning touchdown to Aronde Gadsden the second from Garrett Schrader, 25 yards out with seven seconds left to win it for the Orange. They are 3-0, and and a team that many people were low on in the preseason. Dino Baber coaching for his job. He's got his Orange at 3-0. and They will host Virginia next week at home. If they win that one, they'd be 4-0 with a game against Wagner for hosting NC State. So could we see Q's 5-0 and and potentially ranked with a big home duel against the Wolfpack in the wow. middle of the season? Just crazy. Ranked. Crazy how many stories. And you see like teams just emerge every year. There's the sleeper surprise teams. Penn State's one of them. I mean, for crying out loud. Florida State, my team. Yeah, man. Let's go, buddy. Both yes, of sir. us. Up top. 3-0. There we go. Uh, you know, some other big games, Georgia, I mean, man, I mean, it wasn't Don't close. Don't you mean some other heavy hitters? Yeah, other heavy hitters. Georgia <laughs> absolutely hit Spencer Rattler whoa, continually. Whoa, 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 Yeah, sacked him. I mean, they kept hitting him over and over. They got in the backfield. They kept bringing him down. Uh, 48-7, Georgia wins. And, man, they are absolutely deserving of that number one ranking. They have shown yeah. no flaws through the first three games. This clear-cut, far and away, best team in the nation right now. No one has proved otherwise. Ohio 100%. State, Bama, they are a little bit behind, and I'd, I'd say. Uh, so interesting there uh, how good Georgia's looked. Easily a threat to go back-to-back. Not saying they will, but they will be uh, in that race all season long. Big upset alert, though. FCS Southern Illinois rolls into Chicago, takes down Big Ten Northwestern 31-24. The upsets continue, Mitch. That's crazy. It's not, I'm, it's not a game-worthy of a breakdown, but no, congrats but to Southern Illinois. crazy, man. Absolutely. Um, scrolling through the slate, Indiana gets by in overtime against Western Kentucky, 33-30. That was an interesting one. The Big Ten team, they, they're falling. Isn't that weird? Yeah, Big Ten. Hurts the conference. Does. Rutgers got by Temple, 16-14. That was okay. a local game. It's a Big Ten team. But Rutgers is favored by 18. They only Ooh, won by two. That hurts the Big Ten. Yeah. Virginia, okay, yeah, the, uh, the, the Temple games with the local schools, there was like a Temple, there's like Temple-Penn State games and stuff. The Temple games, the fans always show up for. It's crazy down in Philly for uh, you know those close-by games. Yeah, absolutely. Draw out in big numbers. Game day's game of the week. They were App State. Boone, North Carolina got oh. the game day bid after their stunning of number 6 Texas A&M, and they stunned Troy. Yeah, Game man. winning. Hail Mary. Chase Bryce fires it down the field, short of the end zone, gets deflected into the arms of Christian Horn, runs it around the right side, gets into the end zone How untouched as time expires and the Mountaineers win it. 32-28, and Luke Combs was in the locker room after the game. My man. Singing Beer Never Long Broke My Heart. Long neck, ice cold beer never And the whole locker room was singing heart. it. An electric 
factory there in the Mountaineers locker room. They did that room. last year, too. And it's just something that college football has, traditions like no other. We're going to take our second break here of the final hour of Heavy Hitters. When we come back, we will wrap up week three. Um, you know, thoughts on the college football slate. Stay with us, folks. And we are back on Heavy Hitters, final segment of our first Monday show. Mitchell Smedley and Jack Heim here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR. We're running through some uh, week three of college football. We talked about a few matchups already. The Penn State Nittany Lions among them. But we're going to move on to uh, Kansas, right, Jack? Kansas football is 3-0, and folks. And Let that sink in. That, that might not be colossal news to you. Um, but I'm going to read off Kansas football's record by season since 2010. <laughs> three and nine, two and ten, one and eleven, three and nine, three and nine, zero oh and twelve, two and ten, one and eleven, three and nine, three and nine, zero oh and nine, and last year went two and ten. This team has been They've a matched joke. Their highest win totals. Yeah, they have uh, most wins, <laughs> matching their most wins in a season in the entire last uh, close to fifteen years. years. Yeah. Well, no, they they went twelve and one in two thousand seven. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, my apologies. Um, yeah, and by the way, two thousand seven, one of the craziest college football seasons ever. Probably, I mean, twenty twenty one was probably the closest we've seen to two thousand seven since two thousand seven yeah, happened. Twenty twenty one was that crazy? It was lot lot of change, man. Yeah, group of five team in the college football playoff, Mitch. No one ever thought they'd see that. Cincinnati, they're oh, from the oh, AAC. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not a Power 5 team. They're a Group of 5 team. That's, I got confused yeah. for a second. Uh, Four-team four playoff haters said, oh, Group of 5 team would never make the playoffs in a four-team system. It happened, folks. Cincinnati went there, and they were just as competitive as Notre Dame was against Alabama. So Quiet. Crazy. Quiet. But um, nonetheless, I digress. Yeah, Kansas football under the guidance of Lance Leipold. 3-0. and They have him through 2027. He is turning Kansas football around. They are not a joke anymore. They have road wins at Houston, at West Virginia. Kansas looks solid this year. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be a uh, playoff contender. But I tell you what, this team might strike for a bowl game for the first time uh, since 2008 when they went eight and five. So would be big, big time groundbreaking uh, news there in Can- in Lawrence, Kansas, if they made a bowl game of football. Jalen Daniels had a huge performance though against Houston. Uh, he went for buck fifty-eight and three touchdowns through the air. Yards not jumping off the page, but three passing touchdowns that does, and added one hundred twenty-three yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So five total touchdowns wow. for the Kansas quarterback. That uh, jumps off the page right there. And Houston, two. Kansas had Houston so disgruntled that teammates started getting into a bo- Houston teammates started getting into a boxing match on their own sideline. <laughs> Punches were thrown. Um, yeah, clearly the tune in Houston, Texas, for this Cougars football program not good right now, especially a team that started the year twenty-fourth ranked in the country. They are now 1-2. and two. So, good looks for Kansas. They host 3-0 and Duke. Uh, so, two, two no, undefeated teams. Two perennial basketball powerhouses are now 3-0 and in football. Uh, p- people are petitioning, petitioning College Game Day to go there for the People's Game of the Year. <laughs> I have seen that. That's two on te- TikTok. Yeah, two teams that are horrid, horrid at football. Yeah. Uh, now actually somewhat trending up. So, good for them. Congratulations to both of love them. Love to see it. I'd love to see change. Absolutely. Some turnover. Speaking of turnover, Wake Forest, oh. <laughs> who was, uh, yeah, before recent years, uh, they were horrendous as well. Not as bad as Kansas, but they were not good. Um, but, you know, with Sam Hartman in the doors, they are 19th ranked 3-0. They just get by Liberty, 37-36. Hartman goes for 324, 325, three touchdowns in the air, but also threw two picks. 
Uh, this Wake team, not good. Also, horrendous rushing day. 26 attempts, 21 yards. Oh, wow. My lord. That's awful. Wow. Would have loved to see Liberty pull that out. Jeez. I got a buddy down there. But uh, Wake Forest, they got a big impending matchup in week four. We'll pre- we'll, we will preview it Wednesday. They host the fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers. Let's go. Big ACC matchup in the Atlantic Division. But again, that is going to be saved for Wednesday's show. We're going to move on to Mississippi State LSU. Brian Kelly and the Tigers respond in a big way. Keeping this high-powered Bulldogs offense from Mississippi State in check, Will Rogers, the gunslinger in this air raid offense, held a 214 through the air, one touchdown, one interception. And, yeah, you got to credit the uh, LSU defense here for being able to, you know, push all the buttons, push all the right buttons, dial things up, and contain this Bulldogs offense. I mean, wow. All the credit in the world goes to Matt House, the LSU defensive coordinator. So... Good win there for Brian Kelly. They're now 2-1. And And again, I'm not a Brian Kelly supporter. I really don't like the guy, but credit to him. It's a big home win uh, in SEC play to start things off. They host New Mexico next week before traveling to Auburn. So two easy wins. The LSU era, uh, for the Brian Kelly era at LSU could start off 4-1, and and both teams could be ranked uh, because they do host Tennessee a little later down Hmm. the line. So that could pose to be an interesting matchup. Arkansas gets by FCS Missouri State. They were the 10th-ranked Hogs, 38-27. Missouri State had the lead all the way through the third quarter, going up 24-17 into the fourth quarter uh, before Arkansas said enough messing around. Raheem Sanders, 73-yard touchdown pass from K.J. Jefferson. Punt return touchdown and a quarterback draw from K.J. Jefferson for a touchdown run to give Sam Pittman and the Hogs a 3-0 start. Uh, I really do love Arkansas, man. I tell you what, uh, I just like the story. They were a horrendous program under Chad Morris. They were getting flat out embarrassed. But Sam Pittman, the head coach, former Georgia offensive line coach, he's really done a great job building up a good culture in Arkansas. I know you clowned me for culture earlier in the show, Mitch, but <laughs> it's stupid. It doesn't matter. I, it does. No, it does. I'm not a culture guy. I'm a Mitch. I'm a Florida State fan. The culture at Florida State from 2018 to 2020 oh, was we horrendous. We but it's turning around. It is, and that's why you're seeing the results. It beating is. beating LSU the way they did, that was because of culture, not just because LSU sucked. That's where we very much disagree. But what? I'm not, not going to get into that debate now. What? No, tell me. No? Tell me. That's fine. Tell me. I culture had nothing to do with it, Jack. Yeah, it's a pa- I'm, I'm, I'm a passionate argument about culture because you're what do you, not— Let's have the argument. Because you're, not, ten because you're not informed. I'm not informed? No. On what? Culture? Culture mattering in a in a program? You think especially that, in college? Okay, in college it's a little bit better because they're younger, you know, it you know they're let, still let, in let, college, let, you know. Let, that let, matters. Let me paint a picture close to home. Paint it. How do you think the uh, Penn State program culture was after the whole Jerry Sandusky thing went down? Pretty bad. Pretty bad, right? Pretty bad. Uh and really well, that's I, a job okay. no one wanted. That, so that's like Sure, that part of it was bad, but, like, are there bad guys in the locker room? Like, I'm sure there were decent dudes around. You know what I mean? It's not like everything was just terrible there. That that whole situation was, and that I was can't, hanging look, over the head of the program. Look, I'm not going to— the actual s- dudes going on the field? Come they, on. They did have limited scholarships in that time. That but is true. Just, See, that's a physical limitation, though. They couldn't do as much. yeah. And it's tough to build a culture that way. But it's tough to build a team that way. It's tough to yeah. get talent. Look, Dude, okay, look, look, would look, you look. rather have would you rather have on your team? And I get that you're gonna say, well, it's it's both. Would you rather have culture or talent? 
Culture will get you talent. No, it will not. Yes, it will. Talent will get you culture. You know why? No, because, it won't. Because it's all inverse. these dudes. No, no, no. Because the dudes on the field, whether or not they, they are an awful dude or a good dude, whatever their personality traits, their backgrounds, they are there to win. They like to win. And when you're winning, vibes are high. When you're losing, vibes are low. Let me tell you something, Mitch. Um, if you're if you're Arkansas, let's stick with Arkansas. Perfect program. Before Sam Pittman perfect got there, program. they were That's a bit of they a, were no, wow. they were the perfect example program. To okay, pick. thank you. So, hold on. You know what? Actually, I do have to. I'm, I'm going to read this notebook. Read that quick. notebook, buddy, and so think about your position. From the KUR notebook, attention, KU community. Join the Women's Center staff for Feminist Fridays held every other Friday from two to three p.m. at the Boxwood House. Feminist Fridays consist of fun and interactive crafts, journaling, and a variety of activities with a feminist twist. Be sure to follow at Women's Center KU on Instagram for more information about Feminist Fridays. This message of community interest brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kirsten University KUR. Jack Kai Mitchell Smedley here back on Heavy Hitters. Arguing on the Radio about Voice culture. Of Kirsten University KUR cuts down. Arguing about cultures mattering in a football program, specifically in the college uh, environment. And I think it's an absolute I'll must. I'll concede that culture, culture, it matters culture, a little bit more. Culture provides talent in the, cult, in, in the, in the college more than the pros no, because it, it doesn't provide talent. What are you talking about? If you have a solid program culture, like Alabama, like okay. Alabama, Nick, Nick Saban has built that program from the bottom up. When he first got there, Alabama was nothing. They were nothing. It took time, but he built that program into a perennial contender that has won many of national championships. Jack, that recruits on up. Oh, 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 hold on. What is Nick recruits, Saban though? Nick Saban has talent. He's a great coach. Do you think he recruited at an elite level right away when he got there? You got to build it. It takes a few years. Do you this think? Is the, it's do you the same think? Thing I'm saying to do the you playoffs. think it's he recruited? Take a years. Do you think he recruited at the level he recruits at now when he first stepped foot Hell in Tuscaloosa? No. Exactly because no there was chance. no standard there. There was no standard. That's there not was why. no level of. There's no resources. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. There There's was no name. There was no standard of success. There was no examples to build off of. And the culture program was But a standard of success is meh. a tool you can use to grab talent. Why do you want to succeed in the recruitment department? Because you want to grab talent. Exactly. And you don't recruit at a high level if you don't succeed. Teams that are not good. Exactly. Because they don't have a good That's program culture. That's what I said. Success brings in success and teams that talent. have ba- and teams that have bad program culture don't succeed. No, that yes, is, they that's do. not true. Really? Name me one example of a, of, of a bad cultured program that has had success. Pretty much I, I'd argue there's bad culture elements in pretty much all of them. I can tell you what, Florida State when they were horrible under Willie Taggart and had no accountability, lackluster practices, the culture was garbage, we stunk. We were terrible. We but were Jack, unwatchable. it's a chicken and egg situation because that's what happens when you lose so much. People, they hate each other. You saw it in Houston. They started punching each other because they're getting the brakes beat off of them. Culture is a standard. Culture is No, winning is a standard. Winning is measurable. Culture is built off values. Yes, winning is measurable. I do agree with that. But culture is something that, you know, it's different for each program. But the coach defines the culture of the program uh, and the way they manner things, the way they run the practices, the way they hold their athletes to a certain standard on and off the field. Like the Lions... You love the Lions culture this year? Dan Campbell, he's building a culture. He's building it from the ground up, man. He is, but it's taking time. And the Eagles came in and absolutely shut them down. You won by three. Okay, it wasn't that close. It was not that close. And congratulations. Eagles let it get that close. Congratulations, they beat an awful commander's team. So I'm unimpressed with the Lions. They, they I'm not. Look, I don't awful. think the Lions are a good team, but... Dan can look, it takes a while to build a good product. Yes, it does, because you have to get lower talent, 
and then some intermediate talent, and then the intermediate talent you can build on, and then you get the high-end talent. It's a ta- it's a ladder of talent, not a ladder of culture. The culture will come when the, the talent's the, there and you the start winning. The Lions have had the talent. The Lions have no, had the talent. No, they have not. They wasted the careers of Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, two generational Coaching players, two talent. fantastic talents. Coaching is also talent, Jack. You have to develop Coaching the talent, huge, absolutely. Coaching has a huge impact. It, it takes talent to be a good coach. Bill Belichick, talent. Yeah, you have to develop talent as a coach. Right. Yes. That takes talent as a coach. But if but you, you don't also... develop the talent and you just lose all the time, you're not going to have a good culture. You know why? Because no one's going to trust you. Because you suck as a coach. Yeah. Uh, you just clearly do not understand the value of a culture and a college no, football program. No, I just program. I understand. You just don't. It's good to have, right? I would love to say, oh, our guys are just meshing beautifully. But you know when you hear that? You don't hear that after like a 35-7 to 7 loss. You don't hear Man, the guys in here, they just love playing for each other. You know, it's we're just so grateful to be here. No, you hear that after a 42 to 16 blowout win. That's when, oh, dude, it's just so much fun. Uh, like Bryce Harper, every time the Phillies win and they interview Bryce Harper, and, and he's like, I'm just playing the game I love and, you know, so blessed to be here. And it's like, dude, shut up because you don't say that when you lose. You know what I mean? Yeah, but let, Winning another example. Another example. Culture. Another example. Florida State wins 35-31 Friday night at Louisville. Good post-game job. interview. Post-game interview. Um, you know, they're talking to Kevin Knowles with the game-winning interception. And, you know, he, was, he, went, he went on to talk about the resiliency, resiliency of this team. And that is I something that. that culture brings. Culture brings fight. Culture brings resilience. Because if you have a team that has no culture, they go out there and they're not willing to fight. For example, Florida State would have lost the games to LSU and Louisville last year and the year before. How do you they know? Would've. Because they did. Because they did. Not they in played. that exact situation. They played in very similar games and could not find ways to win. They found ways to lose. Teams that have good do culture. Do they have better players this year? Teams culture, they have honestly mostly the same roster just turned over some players. Right, but a year later. That's experience. That's added talent. That's added developmental time. Yes, but you also Which have to take this forward talent. in culture. You have more talent on your team. I'm going to claim victory on this no, one. Yes. No, you're not. To be you're continued wrong. then. We, we can continue this debate another but dude, time. The Lions, we got to wrap up week though. three. We got to wrap up week we three. We only yeah. have a couple minutes left. We can get back into this on Wednesday. Yes. Not too much longer. Wait. Stay tuned while I mop the floor um, with Jack's but, culture argument. Yeah. Well, you just. I like to win, Jack. I like a system. Stand. You but, think uh, the, the culture in New England was great? Not really. Yes, it was. No, it was not. They all hate each other up there. They're angry. New Englanders, okay? They do not get along. Believe culture, me. Culture is you being able to put aside your differences to be able to go for winning. And they couldn't you always have, do that. Brady did it seven times. There were a bunch of hotheads up there. I digress. Washington takes down 11th-ranked Michigan State 39-28. Uh, late search on the Spartans, but, man, Washington controlled this game really from start to finish. Michael Penix throws for 397, four touchdowns through the air. Uh, Polk. A three tight. I mean, what a day for Jalen Polk. Uh, buck fifty three and three touchdowns through the air. I mean, great wow. talent. I mean, just fantastic game. And just seeing the culture being built up in this Washington oh program. Oh my god! And you know the Huskies, they're three and zero, and they're eighteenth ranked. So congrats to them. Big win at home. Florida survives South Florida in the swamp. Thirty one twenty eight. Anthony Richardson uh, continues to be non impressive. Throws for only one hundred and twelve yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Really not, bringing down the culture. Has not thrown for a touchdown all season in Florida. So while Billy Napier is trying to build a product down there in Florida, <laughs> they are 2-1. and one, uh, But they I barely get by USF. We're going to preview it on Wednesday, though. Florida goes up to Tennessee. 
A battle of the cultures. So, big-time SEC East rivalry. Tennessee opens up as an 11-point favorite. The 11th-ranked Vols, 3-0. 23 Gators, 2-1. Nice. Uh, Texas, 41-20 over UTSA. Hudson Card fighting through everything to play in that game. Get Texas the win. Miami, Texas A&M, though. 17-9. Aggies bounce back. I said they would. I said yeah, they wouldn't lose did. to Miami. Max Johnson, the quarterback change. This offense didn't really put up you know, earth-shattering numbers. Max Johnson, 140 yards through the air, one touchdown. You know, those aren't numbers that are going to jump off the page at you. But just watching this game, the A&M offense looked a lot better to watch. It looked a lot more comfortable than watching it with Haynes King at the realm. Aggies win. Miami had some critical mistakes. They could have easily won this game. Big-time drops in the wide receiving core. Uh, just really mental errors, untimely penalties. That's why the Canes lost this one. Um, big win for A&M. USC handles Fresno State 45-17. The transfer squad, Lincoln Riley's brought in. They look really good also. Uh, and more coaching news. Arizona State after their loss at home, 30-21 to to Eastern Michigan. Parts ways with Herm Edwards. They He's will be out. on the coaching search as well. Anything else to add, Mitch? Um, man, Herm Edwards. What a uh, testament legend. to the culture there. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. And he had a bad culture. Herman Edwards runs it in for the touchdown. I was yeah. wondering if it was the same one. Yes, it was. Should have known. So, um, what a play, man. Yeah. What absolutely. a great day for Eagles Giants. Yeah. Fantastic. Hopefully it continues. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Heavy Hitters. I'm Jack Hyman. He is Mitchell Sutherland. We will yes, be back here on Wednesday previewing NFL Week 3, College Football Week 4, and more MLB headlines. Thank you for all for listening today. We will be back on Wednesday. Go, birds, tonight.